you know, as a public health person, I would think that the goal that I would see to really stabilize the system and therefore make it less of a crisis issue when you get to have a pandemic uh, flu, which we know will, will again occur as was predicted, uh, even though they're rare events, they do occur, is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And, and what we foresee in the future is that influenza vaccine will be something that is essentially a routine vaccination for everyone. And if we then transition that into the universal vaccine, then you may only have to do that every couple of years and get people protected not only from seasonal flu, but from pandemic flu. In my mind, that's the end game. And that's good for the companies, too, because they're going to know and predict that every year the vast majority of the American population is going to get vaccinated, not having to guess will they or will they not this year or next year. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, January 10th, 2021. Thank you for joining me today. I, I can say right now, this is probably one of the most important shows that I've done, and I've said that only a few times. And it's just one of these shows today that just for whatever reason, it's really coming together with a lot of really powerful information, all of it seemingly interconnected. I'm going to tell you right now, if Star's paying attention, this is, I see there in the chat, this is going to be some things we're going to want to clip out. I don't know if Brock's paying attention. I'll make sure this whole show gets clipped out. I feel like this show is going to be very important. So there's a lot of important topics that we're going to cover today, such as emergency use authorization. Hold on, I'm going to have to do something really quickly. There we go. Emergency use authorization. Now, you know, we've been following this. We've been on this, the 90-day the reissue, the, uh, what's the word I'm blanking on all of a sudden? The 90-day reissuing of the, the emergency authorization, forgetting the word for some reason, and how they have lapsed on that more than once. We've talked about that many times. But there's something interesting that was added to that conversation that, that my assistant actually found today, or it was sent to us today. And and this is in regard to the congressional the, the actual requirement for Congress to vote on that every time. And it's really interesting to show you from both angles that this is completely off the rails. Now, more than just the emergency authorization, there's a really interesting conversation in regard to lipid nanoparticles. You see, all these things we've been really, as the last American vagabond and you in the chat, we've been really focusing on these things, ins and outs of them. And not just in the mainstream coverage of it, like diving into the research behind nanoparticles by themselves in general not necessarily only nanobots, but just nanoparticles and how in general, their own research shows that nanoparticles alone in any form can potentially lead to all sorts of problems. Why wasn't that discussed when this was used as a revolutionary new thing to fix the problem with mRNA technology and didn't address that? There's a lot of these things. And today we're going to talk about specifically lipid nanoparticles and how it looks It's pretty very, very clearly shown that these are at least according to the people that make them, quote, not for human use, and in fact, research only. Now, there is actually response by the company in regard to this allegation on their website, and it is quite clear this is what it's being stated, but there's a nuance there, and we'll get into it, but let you decide for yourselves what this might be. Now, we're also going to talk about something right out of the gate that I think is really important, and it's more of a theorizing discussion for me, but it's something that was recently put up on the National Pulse, I believe. Yeah, and it was discussing... 
China, Biden specifically, of course, that's always how one side or the other frames it really, you know, it's not just our government and, you know, things like that and not, you know, just Biden. But the point being that there's more research going on with EcoHealth Alliance and research that potentially could be gain of function, but I'll let you decide for yourself in the midst of everything that's happening. Now, the reason this shouldn't be shocking to you in the chat is because we talked about this right, right when this began. When Trump pulled the funding for the Wuhan lab and we said, well, there's still like six other labs doing similar research right now funded by the government. Those didn't stop. Isn't that weird that it was all big show is the point from Trump's side and all of it. But today we're kind of coming back to that again. And it's still relevant, but we're going to talk about why that's happening and this connection between mice and Omicron and rodent research in COVID-19 and this interesting overlap, as well as Pfizer, as you can see in the title, one of the most important ones, in fact, the CEO of Pfizer indeed very clearly stating that the pro, the safety profile is not being met at the moment. Now they're talking about the third shot and fourth and how we're going to get back and we're, we're going to get there. Not that they failed, but very clearly stating exactly what we've been saying at this moment, they are not safe or effective. Now that's how I'm interpreting what he's saying. If you're not meeting the safety profile, I don't know how else you want to reach that. But as always, I will let you come to your own conclusions about it. As well as I think one other conversation in regard to Reuters specifically getting caught censoring or altering their information to kind of cover up what I think is something in regard to how Pfizer's trying to pivot because of this. And a really interesting point in regard to the data around the actual pandemic of the injected. All of this today on this great important show. Now, stay tuned to the end, please, because it's very important that we get through all of this and that you all see this stuff because it's important and most likely, somebody will go out there and make the clips in the smaller parts so we can get it in the view of the average people. Now, starting off, I wanted to give a quick shout out to a really good conversation I just had <clears throat> with uh, uh, Jason Burmis. And I just really enjoyed the conversation. I always enjoy talking with him. We don't always see eye to eye, to eye on everything. In this show, I pre I'm pretty sure we did. But in most cases, I like the conversations we have because you know we don't always see eye to eye. And that's a really important thing today. But check it out for yourself. I really enjoyed the conversation. We get into a lot of really interesting conversations and theorizing and, and all sorts of stuff. Another thing I wanted to shout out that just was really upset me, to be quite honest. I saw this today. This is a tweet by Abby Martin. It says, I've had COVID for a couple of days. I'm vaccinated and I was fine at first. Then I started having excruciating pain in my legs and back, a nonstop throbbing dull ache that is very intense. I cannot rest or sleep. I'm freaking out. Has anybody else experienced this? And then a couple of people saying, you know, thrombotic events, like the stuff that we should be talking about today that the media won't say, the government won't talk about. And she says, thank you. I have a phone an appointment in a couple hours. The doctor, she's saying, I don't want to go to the emergency room with COVID. And so clearly she sees that that's, that that's not what most people would argue if they're listening to the mainstream media. That's the smartest thing to do. Go to the hospital. But no, it's not right now. In fact, it's the dangerous, one of the most dangerous things you can do in the era of COVID. But then she goes on to say something, didn't want to go to the ER with COVID in the same point. Now, the reason I wanted to share this out is I really want you guys to send her some love and some advice and reach out in any way possible. I, I, I haven't been, uh, since she had her baby, I, don't, I haven't really invested in her work because it hasn't been as constant, but she does amazing work. Absolutely outstanding, knocking out of the park work. Some, well, this is, she's one of the people that actually inspired me to do this. Now, whether or not we see eye to eye on what's exactly happening now in regard to COVID I believe Abby Martin's a good person. I believe she's doing her best to be objective. And so this just bothers me that people like her are in this position at all. It just really upsets me. So all I'm asking is people, if you have advice or insight, reach out. Because there's a lot of people in this position right now that just, you know, maybe thought they were doing the right thing. Whether that's vaccination or not, or however, you know, judging at this point is not the best thing to do. 
It's that we all got manipulated by people who were yelling at us and telling us what the right thing when all they really wanted to do was drive us into a very controlled state so they could achieve their goals. Anyway, it's upset. It's it's upsetting to me that this is happening to people out there that, in my view, are trying to do what they think is right and and just being punished for it. It's, It's disgusting. Now, jumping into the first part of this, and so this normally would be kind of the topic that I'd put at the end of the show. But this is important because I really want this right out of the gate for you guys to think about, because this is more of a theorizing discussion, but it's something that I think is really important that ties back to the Wuhan lab conversation, possibly bioweapon leak, however you want to look at this. It opens the the conversation or at least the thought that, I mean, ask yourself how in the world this would be something they would even be doing in the middle of the biggest pandemic in a century or anything like that. Why wouldn't this be put on hold for interest of, you know, I mean, maybe that's my opinion. On top of that, why would they be doing specifically this kind of research when there's so much focus on whether this is even appropriate before this now, whenever? I just, it's it's quite crazy. This is the national polls. But again, my point before was I hate the partisan framing of this. Biden and China, of course, because it's only Biden in his back room doing, I mean, it's like, come on, guys, it's the same thing. Trump was doing the same thing. Biden's doing the same thing. Your government is doing this. And really the people behind them that are mostly pulling those strings. It's not just Biden. If you think like what's funny is from the side of the Republican partisan side mindset, they'll point at Biden when it works for them and be like, look, he can't even tie his shoes. He's so stupid. He can't think straight. But then when it works in the other way, they go, look at Biden mastermind in this plan with China. You know, and I know that's not necessarily what they're saying. But if it, is it Biden in China or is it really the people pulling those strings? And if that is the case, then let's not s- reduce it down to Biden China or Fauci Wuhan because it's not that simple. Anyway, nonetheless, I'm still I saw it here first on this on this outlet. Biden and China are partnering in a new Wuhan lab, which again is sort of a you can take it. That's not it's not called Wuhan lab. It's not in the same location. So really, it's just another lab doing similar research. And by the way, there's more of those than Wuhan and there always have been. So it's not really a new Wuhan lab. That's a title framing it. So it catches your attention. Just so we're clear. I guess you can call that clickbait. Ecohealth hunt for recombinant rodent coronaviruses. Now, that's the important part to me. The fact that specifically recombinant and Ecohealth Alliance. I mean, why in the world is Ecohealth Alliance even in existence in this kind of work at all right now? I mean, like, even if you don't think what the allegations put at them are, are accurate, true, it's still up in the air. They, they, their people are accusing them of some pretty serious crimes. And yet here we are running right into it, right? Because this side of the you know two-party illusion is, you know, however you want to look at it. It's just crazy that it's being allowed. Now it says, researchers from COVID-19 linked Wuhan Institute of Virology and disgraced researcher Peter Daszak's Ecohealth Alliance have carried out new research on recombinant coronaviruses in rodents. A recently published paper reveals. Now let me, let me take one step back, actually. If this is in my research when I was going through this, and I have all the studies and stuff up next, it didn't, I didn't, in no way did it seem this was in the same location or specifically at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. If it is, then that wouldn't be a clickbait point, but just make that clear. I didn't think it was, but they do seem to say linked. So it doesn't, it just seems my understanding is it's the same people were carrying out similar research in a new location, or at the very least a new grouping of work. Now it says Peter Daszak, which is the most important part to me, disgraced researcher, which I, I agree with that. Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance have carried out new research on recumbent coronaviruses in rodents. And the rodent part of this is really what caught my attention, and you'll see in a minute. A recently pa- published paper reveals the paper lists the Chinese regime, as well as Joe Biden's regime, <laughs> International Development Department, as funders as, and supporters of the dangerous work. 
Now, they're framing it as dangerous work, but I agree with that. You could argue, it doesn't, let me put it this way. You could argue that it wouldn't be dangerous work if they're doing this and just doing it with good intentions to find out whether it's going to be dangerous. And I'm not saying I agree with that, but that could be the way you frame that. But realize that the dangerous work in my mind comes into play when you know what these people have been doing, when you know what they do, how they research this stuff and how they, I mean, this is, in my opinion, this might as well be gain of function research, especially when you realize they probably are doing things that we don't get told about. But that's just my opinion. Now, understand, I'm not specifically trying to say gain of function is one thing versus another. There is a definition there, especially despite the fact that Fauci and his team tried to change that definition. No, it's EPPP research. Can't even say that well. But my point is that there's a clear reality definition of what it is. And my argument is what they're doing here is one step away from maybe what they're doing behind the scenes. You'll see what I mean. The October document, and I'll show you that next, a novel potentially recumbent rodent coronavirus with a polybasic cleavage site in the spike protein describes how researchers sampled rodents and shrews collected from, a, from the wild for coronavirus prevalence. In the years preceding COVID-19, that's what's interesting too. This was before COVID-19. The Wuhan Institute of Virology carried out similar expeditions to gather data on bats. So beforehand, so possibly more prevalent, more relevant, I guess you should say, than bats or whatever else they're claiming, if that's even what we're talking about, understand. But this is an interesting correlation to, well, I just, I might as well just show you right now so you can follow along what I'm getting at here, a current research discussing evidence for a mouse origin of specifically Omicron. And then we can't forget the weird origins of Omicron with the diplomats and the weird just popping up of four of them inside of Botswana. And where did that come from? We'll get there. Now it says in the years preceding beforehand. So I think that there's a the point to that. Using these samples collected, researchers from the Wuhan lab in, co in collaboration with the American Nonprofit EcoHealth Alliance. Yeah, nonprofit. I love how they, you know, it's like non-governmental organization. It's not nonprofit does not necessarily or even ever really mean that they're not profiting. Or if it's non-governmental organization, pretty much always means they're government <laughs> in the existence of the U.S. government. But this, they just said they discovered, EcoHealth Alliance discovered a, quote, killer virus that they bragged were capable of, that's their framing, first of all, of direct human inf infection. Now, they're researching things inside of animals, right? So the idea that they just kind of tripped over something in an animal that could immediately directly infect humans just seems like a bit of a stretch to me. Because usually, and look, I'm not saying it's not possible. Obviously, it's possible, or at least in the framing of what they're saying. I should add right here that there's a lot of experts that came out in the beginning of all this that directly even challenged the whole concept of zoonotic transfer, just so you understand that. So I wouldn't even put that as something that's completely verified, in my opinion, if you have experts challenging whether that's even something that happens. Because something like Dr. Boyle, for example, would argue that a lot of these things, Ebola, historically were not something that came from animals, but rather were bioweapons, manipulations that can date all the way back to the beginning of this whole program. But I digress. The direct human infection, I just find it interesting to think that that could be something that was driven toward. Because remember, they have 100% tried to make things do that in the past. That is gain of function. The new paper, which counts researchers from seven Chinese state-run scientific institutions, including one person affiliated with the Wuhan Institute of Virology's Laboratory of Special Pathogens and Biosafety, is authored by three EcoHealth Alliance researchers, including Peter Daszak himself. The Wuhan Institute of Virology. So you literally have the same lab or affiliate, excuse me, affiliated with the same group of that lab, EcoHealth Alliance, Peter D Peter Dazak, U.S. government. I mean, what's different here? Why in the world is this even continuing on when we're at the very least questioning whether this exact same kind of work is where this all came from? 
Doesn't that just, I mean, this just blow your mind. It shows you, in my opinion, that this is exactly what was continuing. Like, I don't, this, in my mind, the only way they would take this blatant step is if this was what needed to happen. Just my thoughts. Now, it says the National Pulse has previously revealed Dazek's extensive relationship with China, prompting his removal from the Lancet's COVID commission due to conflicts of interest. I, I think that's absolutely relevant. Now, among the paper's financial supporters are several Chinese Communist Party-run scientific bodies, including those with ties to the regime's military. Now, I find that to be very important, but not in the kind of way that they went. I mean, that's it's just as alarming to have ties to DARPA and our military, right? I, I, I see this all as one large thing, and especially across China and U.S. governments. Now, President Joe Biden's U.S. Agency for International Development, U.S. Aid, also funded the field animal sampling portion of the study. Okay, so here, th- there's an obvious, interesting discussion here to be had about why this is happening. But focusing on the recumbent rat co- rodent coronaviruses, this is from October 27th. This is the study we're talking about. A novel, potentially recumbent rodent coronavirus with a polybasic cleavage site in the spike protein. Now, don't forget the conversations of people like Luke Montagnier and the discussions of HIV inserts. And it, it's very similar. These, these, these are the things like this that we've heard discussed from other experts in this field would point at these as evidence of manip- manipulation, right? I mean, so that's what we're talking about when it comes to gain of function. Now, oh, before we move forward, don't miss, uh, oh, here, show all, Peter Daszak, right there. Just so we're very clear, that's what we're talking about. Now, it says the emergence of, of SARS-CoV-2 has reignited global interest, <laughs> global interest in animal coronaviruses and their potential for human transmission. What a weird statement to start with. I mean, I mean, it's not even trying to frame it as like we're trying to save ourselves. It's like these are ner- these are ner- like, you know, people that are interested in just discovering more dangerous things is what it sounds like. And we're just reignited our interest in finding more dangerous things to look into and poke at. Why are we letting these people play with this? Clearly, especially when you can point to things like our BSL4 labs at Fort Detrick and discussing one leak every three days for seven years. That's their statement. We're talking leaks of things that can we, there's discussions of things going on on people's shoes that we're talking, they work on Ebola, coronaviruses, anthrax at that lab. I'm, I've discussed this in depth before, and that's not a joke. And yet we're letting these people continue to play with these things. Now it says, while bats are thought to be the wildlife reservoir for SARS-CoV-2 and uh, SARS-CoV and SARS-CoV-2, the widespread human coronavirus, OC43, is thought to have originated in rodents. Here, we sampled 297 rodents and shrews representing eight species from three municipalities of southern China. We obtained three coronavirus genome sequences, one one being a novel beta coronavirus. And it says recombination recombination analysis suggests that there was a potential recombination event involving marine uh, hepatitis virus, MHV, rat coronavirus, LRVLV. Furthermore, we uncovered a polybasic cleavage site in the spike protein. These findings provide further information on the potential for interspecies transmission of coronavirus and demonstrate a value of a one health approach to virus discovery. Now, if you're asking yourself, why is that capitalized? I ask the same question. You'll find out this is a massive CDC program, which is a collaborative, multi-sectional and transdisciplinary approach working on the local, regional, national and global levels with a a goal of achieving optimal health outcomes, recognizing the interconnection between people, animals, plants. And this, guys, this is like, this is the, why in the world would this, I mean, the CDC, just like every other aspect of of your government right now is branching out into this global partnership. And it's not something that you are even involved in. Your decisions don't matter. 
Why in the world this is some kind of, I mean, what's guiding this, what's guiding this one health approach? Why is this guiding foreign research on, on recombinant rat coronaviruses? What does it even have to do? The point is, this is the kind of research they argue is in your interest. This is the same thing they used, the argument they used to sell you gain of function or to, or if you cared to look into it, that it was making things dangerous to find out how to stop them for your safety. But there's nobody that understands, everybody can argue, a child can look at that and be like, that makes no sense. Why would you make something that's never been seen before under the illusion that it might naturally happen, that one in a billion chance, the thing that you created would just naturally occur over there, and good thing we have this injection for it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And anybody honest is telling you no. They're making bioweapons. That's what they've always been doing. They were open about it before people were paying attention. So now when we see this massive approach to One Health and why making these things makes any sense in regard to health, it's the same concept. Now, to the other point in regard to the spike protein, the manipulation, the rat, the recombination analysis, this is the kind of research that we should be concerned about. It's a very close one step away from becoming, well, let's just make it more dangerous to see how we can stop it. That's what they do. And that happens without you knowing about it. This is the kind of stuff that was always happening behind the scenes. And this is now branching out into some global effort still under a guise of fighting coronavirus. Let that sink in. Now, here is something before that. Let's go back to 2021, November 18th. So not too long ago, rodents could be asymptomatic carriers of SARS-like coronaviruses, study suggests. Real quick point, quote, our study suggests that ancestral rodents may have repeated infections with SARS-like coronaviruses and have acquired some form of tolerance or resistance. Oh, you mean natural immunity to SARS-like coronaviruses and the results of these infections? Yeah, pretty basic. These, this raises, this is weird to me, the tantalizing possibility that some modern rodent species may be asymptomatic carriers of SARS-like coronaviruses, including those that may not have been discovered yet. The tantalizing possibility, oh my gosh, we could find new viruses that we could play with. Like, this is how they see these things. The point is that we're talking about rodents that they're claiming have these things that have acquired natural immunity to. So let's pick those things out and manipulate them. And so like this, gee, I wonder if this is possibly where these transfers come from. You see what I mean? Like this is alarming research in that same vein. And then going to the next part, I don't think it's that far of a jump to ask them whether or not we're talking about the same thing. Just my thought, where did Omicron variant come from? Well, I agree. That's a good question that nobody seems to want to ask. The Omicron variant has reshaped the state of the coronavirus pandemic. Events have been canceled. Cases are rising and they barely passed the This is how they're still framing this. Are you serious? Like, this is something that has been across the board shown to be exponentially less dangerous in every way in every way. And then you could add on to that, that long haul COVID has already been shown by peer reviewed science to be basically a psychosomatic. So the reality here is that Omicron is in South Africa, at the very least, more than 80% reduced hospitalizations. The deaths don't seem to exist. Then we have cases exploding in the vaccinated by 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 far, by and large, I should say. And yet here we are going Omicron has changed everything. Well, yeah, for those that are on your shot regimen, but everybody else, and really the reality being it's not more dangerous. They're still using it, though. We told you they would, because clearly this moment was meant to do this. That's why they jumped into the Omicron vaccine. Like, why wouldn't they have done that on Delta? Delta, they at least they argued was more dangerous. Omicron's clearly not, if that's even what we're looking at. And all they can do, and they say, the point was, this is some moment that was meant to trigger this next step. And it didn't work because Omicron fell flat on its face. That's how I look at it. 
But that's why they're so desperate to go. It changed everything. This not dangerous thing that might give everybody herd immunity. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, probably because that's not what they want to happen. If that, again, if that's what you believe is going on. And I always throw that caveat out there because I agree with those that are questioning that part of it. But if a scientist in China recently published a study that suggests the Omicron variant may have come from mice. Well, I mean, why wouldn't they draw a parallel to the research on rodents and whether that might have been the very locate the origin of this conversation? But this is the study published in the Journal of Genetics and Genomics. It's just uh, can be read. Um, we have that up next. Now, so the stu- the scientists suggest that the Omicron variant may have jumped from mice to humans at some point, affecting our entire lives. I don't know why the Omicron variant specifically is the one affecting our entire lives. You see what I mean? Like that's not the reality. But jumping from mice to humans is exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? Scientists in South Africa discovered the Omicron variant during the Thanksgiving weekend, sounding the alarm on the emerging new variant. However, it's unclear where it came from. Yeah, isn't that suspicious to anybody else? In every other context, they seem to be able to trace trace this stuff right back down to its origin. And, you know, the only there's only been a few times where I've seen this. One, if you remember in the middle of this and. I guess it was like three, like towards the end of 2020, when all of a sudden there was this untraceable case that exploded in Iran. And it was the worst thing we've seen. It was worse in Italy over here, which again, shares a genetic connection with Iran, which people don't, that is not true. Look it up. The point is that they weirdly had a close genomic connection. And weirdly, Iran and Italy had this crazy explosion. Now it could have been something that was given or set there. Just we should ask that if it's an untraceable point, or it could simply be that pretty much every location that gave the flu shot aggressively had an explosion of extra issues. Could that be because, as the Pentagon study showed you before this, that any the flu shot increases your infection risk in general? On top of that, specifically thirty nine percent increase in coronaviruses. And yes, that was before COVID nineteen happened, but it still is a coronavirus, isn't it? Just a thought. But back to this point, I think we have to ask whether these are things being set especially when we get to the diplomat part. Now, I'm not saying I know that I can prove that or I know for sure, but if you're unwilling to ask that because it's just conspiracy theory that what, your government would do something like that, why don't you read your history books? Because <laughs> it's actually literally documented in our school history books in some cases, but when you really get into the true history that's not documented in our disgusting, broken history books, it's everywhere. How about the fact that the government admitted to doing things like this hundreds of times? Look up Operation Sea Spray, right? I mean, it's, it's embarrassing that they go, that's crazy to ask whether they've done what they've done before. But then it goes to say, per BBC News, some scientists in South Africa have a highly plausible hypothesis that Omicron variant came from an immunocompromised patient who was infected with COVID-19. Interesting. Now they get into a point in here where they're discussing, this is just the other, this is on uh, the other National Library of Medicine location as well. You can see it there. They get into the interesting discussion of whether they think this came. So just be so we're clear right here, we're talking about them raising the possibility that this actually came from, you know, immunocompromised patient, which is really interesting with the HIV crossover, the idea that they're racing to rush this into immunocompromised patients, even though those they have their own documentation says, we don't know if that's safe. We don't have evidence to show if that's safe. And yet they did first, right? It's interesting, but here's what this study is saying from December 24th evidence for a mouse origin. It says, here we identified 45 point mutations that Omicron acquired since divergence from the original. We found that the Omicron spike protein sequence was subjected to stronger positive section than that of any reported SARS-CoV-2 variants known to evolve persistently in human hosts. Just kind of pointing back to the idea of what we were just discussing. Now it says collectively, 
our results suggest that the the progenitor or or of Omicron jumped from humans to mice. From humans to mice. Rapidly accumulated mutations conducive to infecting that host then jump back to humans. I mean, I I don't know. You tell me. That seems like quite a stretch to me in indicating an interspecies evolutionary trajectory for Omicron outbreak. So literally, they're claiming it jumped from humans to mice. Right, what we're dealing with. Then, in this very short period of time, jumped back after changing. Do you realize in the beginning, they acted like that was something that happens over like a hundred years? I mean, they this is not something that we're talking about that happens in this short period of time. But they're just going, well, here, it must have because there. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm not a scientist. You guys think for yourselves and research this, and I'll do my due diligence with more people that have you know, PhDs and, and doctorates in these discussions, as I always do, despite them calling those people fake news as well. But all I wanted you guys to think about is this discussion. Now, remember, this is from the Botswana government. I mean, this is a legitimate post from their account. Here is the actual post itself, which just don't forget what this said. This is from the moment this began. The new virus was detected on four foreign nationals who had entered Botswana on the 7th November 2021 on a diplomatic mission. This means they have diplomatic immunity, which means they don't get, they could bring anything they want across borders, anything, stolen property, human trafficking. I mean, we've talked about this, this this diplomatic, ridiculous idea in the past where people, it's abused like crazy by all the governments. One one of those things could be something like this, a virus, a a genetic material or a bioweapon. Do I know this for sure? Of course not. But why wouldn't anybody ask this? Why hasn't anybody looked into this more than the independent media? But then it says further genomic sequencing that was conducted on the samples confirmed the virus as Omicron on November 24th, which is interesting to me that they genomic sequenced this that then at this time and argued that's what it was. So, I mean, let me ask you a question. What were you looking for? Why, where'd this number come from? Was this something that was already discussed? Right. This is clearly this was something that was already somewhere if that they confirmed it was that number. So where else was it? These are just thoughts that I want you guys to toy around with, because for me, I think it's very obvious that there's some interesting connection here or at the very least questions we should be asking. Overall, why in the world are they still doing this right now of all times? Now, bringing this over into a couple of breaking the illusion down before we switch over into the risk the obvious risk from the injection, the pandemic of the injected that we're talking about. Cyprus scientists discovered Deltacron. <laughs> Not a joke, but other experts dispute the findings. It's weird how they're trying. I, we, we're watching this fall apart in real time. I genuinely think they're trying to, they're jumping from, that we are, I think people like us have been calling this out from before this even started. The moment we saw Flurona, Delmacron, and all these things, a lot of us were attacking this right out of the gate. So, I mean, it's already changed names. It went from Delmacron to Deltacron. Anyway, the point is, and I hear this is my tweet before we go into the next one. I said, so now it's Deltacron? <laughs> Last week, it was Delmacron right alongside Flurona. Where'd those go? And we discussed how they would inevitably claim it combined to a new variant of concern. Maybe they shifted the name because we were so far ahead of the narrative. Who knows? Because here is the actual article that we put out. This was on January 1st, I believe. January 1st. And right now it's like breaking news from the mainstream. Look at this new thing that we talked about a week ago. Oh, 10 days ago, in fact. God, you guys are on the cusp of the good information. No, but here's what's funny, though, is you dig into this. And I'm not kidding, guys. They're literally arguing 
they have discovered a COVID-19 variant that combines these two. Do you remember that conversation we had? Because that's not what it was. That what they were saying was, here are two things that we're seeing in the same person. That in that moment was immediately misrepresented by the mainstream media as a new variant. I pointed that out then. No, that's not what they were actually saying. But the media went there right away. And now they're going, now, now these scientists are meeting them there. Don't miss that. The media and the government are driving the narrative and the, the so-called experts and scientists and doctors that are following behind them without question are following right behind them without question, right? There are other experts out there that are not willing to, or that are willing to challenge what government says is the science. The idea that Delta and Omicron, the, the, a variant of the same virus has combined magically in this person's body to create some new thing doesn't make any sense to me. And what it does seem to do is create a point of which nothing means anything anymore, right? You can ju- you can explain and justify anything anywhere you want and be like, well, it's a new thing, so it could be more dangerous. It, it could explain why this isn't or is happening, the, which is what they always seem to do. Just continue to just theorize and rationalize however they want. But when we do, oh, you're fake news. But this is where it's going. So get ready for a random push of these new things and Fluorona is still on the table. A random combination of flu and coronavirus and the media which should have... Like, as far as I understand it, this is ridiculous from like a, from a virology, virology or immunological or immunological standpoint. <laughs> I hate that word because it just doesn't make sense. As far as I understand it, this does not really make sense. Why wouldn't this have happened over the years with flu and any other thing we've seen, right? This seems like a very, very ad, uh, self, what's the word I'm looking for? Promote, not promoting. It works for them, right? They're using this, I think, because it's very easy for the narrative. Now, just on a quick side note, I didn't include this today, but I don't know if you guys saw. Maybe I'll bring it up again tomorrow. I'll bring it up tomorrow. Bob Saget, which actually was kind of really sad for me. I don't know why. Maybe because I grew up with Full House or whatever, but he, he, he passed away, which is sad. And he just had a video where he was saying he got the booster. He even made a joke about it. Like he said, oh, I got it in my butt, and so I'm uncomfortable or whatever. And, but he did get it and it's been verified and I have the video, whatever, but you know, it's all over the place. I don't even know why we need to prove these anymore. It's very, very clear. And no, we're not saying we can prove that it happened because of that. We're simply saying how many people do we need to see who are not as old in their, you know, convalescing who get this and die right away. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. It's absolutely getting ridiculous. It was ridiculous a long time ago. But bring it to the Pfizer discussion because this is the real illusion breaking down. This is already being misrepresented aggressively. This is also this is a good good coverage from Jordan Satchtel. Shock video. Pfizer CEO says current COVID shots, quote, don't have the safety profile they once hoped for. Now, right out of the gate, I'm telling you that he's discussing the two-shot discussion and then throwing out there the third will get you. We already know that's not true. We already know and have proven in 40 different shows since this the third booster even came out of his mouth that that's not true. It drops off a cliff after two months at the most. Basically to zero. That was the Israeli study from a while ago. The fourth one, on top of that, it's already been shown. The most recent study we showed you made the argument that any booster following this will fall into the same category, where they wane immediately. Yet here we are, where they're already trying to float the idea, don't worry, the third one, they'll get the third one, though. Well, then why is Israel already given the fourth? It doesn't make sense. But this is an important discussion to have because they will not want to admit that's what he said. And he did say this. During an interview on CNBC Monday, just today, Pfizer CEO Albert Borla unleashed several truth bombs on an unsuspecting corporate press audience, sowing doubt into the idea that his mRNA shots are safe and effective. Uh Uh-oh, does that mean he's creating vaccine hesitancy? Shouldn't you censor him, media? See how stupid that is? 
It's only when it does it in the way they don't want you to hear, right? Most notably, in a comment that has largely escaped notice, he revealed that the current COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, quote, don't have the safety profile they once hoped for. And CNBC noticeably did not publish these shocking remarks on their social media pages, but it seems pretty clear when you read the transcript and watch the video of which we have for you that Borla dropped some shocking admissions that has since gone unnoticed or rather unreported by them excellent mainstream press. The Pfizer chief appeared on Squawk Box this morning after the company announced several agreements. And we'll get into those next. That's the that's the censorship manipulation, or rather, I guess it wouldn't be censorship if it's yourself, but they're hiding, memory holding this coverage. They, uh, on, this, on that morning after the company announced several agreements in the fields of gene editing, right? The very thing they swear they're not, but here we are making deals with the group. And even though we have the Bayer guy admitting that, I'll show you that again in a second. With the hopes to use these technologies, guess what? To bolster the mRNA platform for their COVID shots, right? Isn't that the thing you're already giving with that same platform? And But you're going to do this to bolster that platform? Doesn't it suggest that it's not as good as it could be right now and you're giving it to people anyway? <laughs> yeah, don't just don't think into it. But that wasn't even the big story, he says. Borla delivered one bombshell after another on his prized mRNA vaccines. He says, quote, we have a very strong belief, because that's what it is, guys, a belief, not fact a belief that mRNA is a very powerful technology. That's what he says. Now it says, now we are going with a third target. We believe that we carefully selected, wait, we believe that we carefully selected, oh, and he pauses, we believe that there is a high probability to deliver a solution to an imminent need, not because the current doses of vaccines are not effective, but they are, they don't have the safety profile that we had hoped we can achieve with this technology. Undeniable. Now you'll find, again, like he said, they don't post this. They, in fact, you'll, you'll see it in a second. They actually, or maybe it's just a coincidence, but even the subtitles just happen to glitch out while he's saying this. Isn't that interesting? But this is my point about when they say going to a third target. So they're talking about the third shot. Says Borla wasn't done. Seemingly hooked to a truth serum device, the C Pfizer CEO then said, and I think this is simply because they, they're, they're rolling back the narrative, guys. We're watching it happen. Masks suddenly don't work, but only the cloth ones. That's not true, but they're giving you parts of it. It's, it's, a, it's a release valve. They're hoping you stop coming after them with information because they give you something. Don't take their bone. We want the whole damn skeleton, right? We don't want just a little kick down. We don't want their crumbs anymore. It's all of them, not just cloth. So let's get the whole truth out there. Or how about myocarditis? It's obvious they're letting that slip out a little bit. Or even natural immunity. They're going, we're discovering this weird propensity for people to be resistant to this afterward. What is this? It's natural immunity, you dummies. And you know that. But they're just playing this game. But they're slowly letting this stuff out. Or how about transmission? Yeah, they're letting that out of the bag too. But wait, they already did multiple times before. It's crazy. But I think that's what this is too. The Pfizer CEO then said in a Yahoo Finance interview that two Pfizer mRNA shots which he once claimed were 100% effective at preventing the disease. Don't forget that. Now only, quote, offers very limited protection, if any. This is his direct quote. Offers very limited protection, if any. Two, he's talking about. Again, because he's suggesting the third one will magically bring it all back together. He said this in the context of pushing for a new round of shots for the Omicron variant. Now, think about this, guys. We just talked about this and the, the, the new variant. They're rushing out in 100 days, which I don't know why anybody would be okay with that. 
specific or new, new injection, excuse me. Freudian slip, probably variant two is probably what it's going to become, but it's saying Omicron variant specifically. So they're rushing out in hundred days just for that. But why do we, it's, it's not very dangerous. That's what everyone's telling. Why would we rush out something for that? Why wouldn't you rush it out for the ones before that were hurting people you claimed, right? Okay. So the point is they're rushing it anyway. And you, they'll get into, well, it's not even really about Omicron. It's for everything going forward. Exactly. Omicron was the excuse to rush out their universal vaccine, which is why I played that Fauci clip in the beginning, for everything. That's what they're driving toward. And that's even what they admitted before this all began. They wanted one shot for literally anything, or specifically ones they could group into it, like flu and coronaviruses and so on. That's what they discussed before this started. That's what they were trying to do with flu before we got to coronavirus. They were working on the mRNA platform for the universal flu vaccine. It's easy to look up. And they just shifted into this, maybe because people weren't buying the flu. Right. I mean, they kept get, the flu shots kept getting shown to be ineffective and they kept doing the same thing over and over. This is a way to scare you back into line, possibly. But the point is Omicron new shot. Well, what happens when we have the whatever they're claiming the next variant is or whatever? Right. By the time this comes out, are we going to be two variants down the line? And why would that one then make sense? It doesn't really add up, guys, unless it's a new shot. To, they're going to claim covers everything, which is what they're doing. Before that, though, let's play this little clip here. This is just where you can hear part of what he says. Uh, and we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses. There it is right there. Two doses, very limited, if any. If any. So why in the world would you go out and get that? This is with a booster. They offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, uh, and that's not backed up by the data. We'll go over that next. In, in, against deaths, I think, very good. Um, and, and this is also the person who told you it was 100% effective in all of these ways before, but now he's saying he thinks so, and reasonably so, and we might see this. Yeah, let's trust that. That seems like a smart way to go. And, uh, less protection against uh, infection. Now, we are... Less protection. That's a really dishonest way of saying it does not stop transmission, which is what they're actually admitting right now. And it was the same way with Delta and the same way before that. Working on a, on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way. Just so we're clear, make sure you hear what he's saying. A new version of the vaccine, not just an Omicron-focused special. They're literally working on a variation for the whole damn thing. Vaccine 1.1. Right. In 100 days. While this is still being fleshed out in real time. That sounds safe to you? But uh, we'll cover Omicron as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March. Uh, and great, 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 great. I love that. Did you make sure you don't miss what he just said, how stupid that is. So we're still waiting on the results to know if it even works and it's safe, but it'll be out in March though. Oh, great. So if it tells you it's not safe and it doesn't work, it'll be out in March though. <laughs> what, 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 I mean, think about how crazy that is. How could you possibly say it'll be out in March if you don't even haven't even flushed out the data? What if it shows it doesn't work? In reality, shouldn't that mean you should dig in further and find out? Well, apparently not. Apparently it'll be out in March either way probably because that's the plan and this is not even really what it looks like. But it says, truly unbelievable stuff. In one interview, Borrell acknowledges that both sides of the safe and effective line may very well be untruthful. Notably, the closed caption transcript on the video does not seem to function during the safety profile comment. Borrell's full comments on the safety profile are available to listen on the Squawk Pod podcast right here, which of course is behind a paywall. But, oh, excuse me, the link here for the full interviews behind the paywall, which I don't find surprising at all, Right. And then, of course, you have to go through. You could, but both the links are right there if you'd like to look into it further. Here is the clip for you can listen to for yourself. 
of him saying this, you know, it's all right there in front of you. It's amazing. There are people out there right now arguing that two doses keep them safe, right? You, all these people out there that are upset about the fact that the government's not forcing the third shot, which is clearly going to come. They are the ones that understand this. And that's why they're trying to aggress. They're trying to keep people with two shots feeling like they're still on the side of good, right? You're still good. You're still fully vaccinated, which doesn't make any sense. If it's not working, how are they still fully vaccinated? It's just because if they switch to third shot and forcing it, they know they're going to lose those people. They haven't done this well. Or they can go the way of Israel and just say, we don't care what you think openly. And we're going to force this down your throat because we're the government. You don't have a say. <laughs> that's how it basically, that's how you just talk to Israeli citizens right now. It's, it's Australia. I mean, look how it's going. But coming over into another part of this that's really clearly showing you the breakdown of this narrative, if this is the natural immunity part of this, and there's plenty more that I could have included today, but this is Sky News. COVID-19, T-cells from common colds can protect against coronavirus infection, the study finds. You don't say. <laughs> Where have you heard that before? It's almost like we discussed this back in 2021, early 2021. Yes, we did. And we were censored for it, like a lot of other people. Oh, that's why I see, because Imperial College London said so. I see. And that, and they made sure to add the caveat, no one should rely on this alone, even if it completely works by itself. Oh, you the injection that will take those away from you so we can pretend that's working and give you a shot every two months. Yay. Right. Don't forget these injections are removing your antibodies. As plenty of evidence suggests, studies, reports from the mainstream media, Red Cross and their deleted posts that we showed you, or even Dr. Bauer himself telling you in his research that these things removed their, these things have, if you've got Pfizer, you have a markedly lower antibody count than people who are unvaccinated. All of that we've been showing you over and over. I won't play them all again today. So T cells from common colds. What does this mean? To translate it very simply, it means that if you've had the common cold, you could potentially have some form of immunity to COVID-19. Maybe not complete. Maybe. In fact, that's what the other peer-reviewed science we've shown you a hundred times literally says. That yes, whether you've had SARS in the past, the common cold, or maybe just COVID during 2020 when they told you it wasn't happening, or 2019. However you want to look at that, most people, most people in this country, or specifically as this peer-reviewed science says, most adults who do never even got sick already showed pre-existing antibody reactivity before this even started. Or rather, when they did this, but dating it back to the reality that when they did this, a majority of uninfected adults already had. How is that even possible? Unless it was circulating before they told us, or it's because of the cold and whatever else, or this is not even there, what they're telling us. Either way, you want to rationalize this. The point is, guys, that there's a lot of different ways that the evidence has been showing from day one, peer reviewed and otherwise, that you likely already have antibodies. If not that, when you had natural immunity, you really guarantee you hunt, you very clearly do. Up to 99%, according to the WHO, lasting, robust, durable, according to the Lancet, whether or not disease severity, according to the Lancet, possibly the rest of your life, according to the Nature, Nature publication. You see how dumb this is and how obvious this is? We don't even know for sure. What's natural immunity? Fauci does not know. I mean, it's, it's pathetic. The craziest part is studies came out in 2020 saying the same thing. Yet we and many others were censored in 2021 for discussing it in the context of natural immunity. That's how crazy this got. And it still is. Now that the narrative has collapsed, this and many other topics are now being allowed. Of course it is. Here is one of them. Look at that, guys. It's on the even on the NIH website. Did they just forget? Apparently so. August 18th, 2020. Immune cells for common cold may recognize SARS-CoV-2. 
But Fauci's out there shouting you down for saying what it's literally posted on their website. They just think you're too stupid to look back to the year before. Oh, here's another one. This is from August 5th, 2020. Common cold trains the immune system to recognize COVID-19. This this existing immune system memory may explain why some people have... Yes. Now understand, this has been later fleshed out. Let me see if I can just pull it up really quickly. I'm sure that I think this one does pop up right here. Yep, right there. And so this is where this is this is as of July 2020. Or excuse me, this might have been afterward. In any case, this one's more definitive. And I I don't, I don't want to try to find the one that I was thinking of. There's ones that come into 2021 that are much more clear, but it's simply showing you the same idea. And T cell immunity in cases of people that's SARS and just the uninfected controls. Read it for yourself. These people that were supposed to be the control group turned out to have immunity anyway. It's because of the same stuff we're telling you. It's because of stuff like this. It's because of things like prior immunity and everything else. So why aren't we asking this? If peer-reviewed science, and now even mainstream media is admitting it to you, shouldn't we be going, hey, doesn't that play a factor in whether or not we force injections in their arms? Nah, who cares about that? How do they not see what that shows? I mean, they do. How do we not see what that shows us? It could not be more clear. Now, I just wanted to show you on here. This is, this is uh, I, if you guys don't know, you can do this, by the way, under tools. You can go to a specific date search, which I use all the time. And I go back to a date before this all started to see the actual search results. Now, I'm sure they can manipulate that too. Or maybe they already are. But the point is, you search for COVID-19 cold immunity today, you get dumped with all the mainstream stuff today, even if you try to put the different date. But look at back in 2020. Here's NIH saying the same thing, immune cells, common cold. Here's, uh, this is a college. Can common cold prevent you? Yes. Common cold trained immune system. Benefit of common cold may prevent COVID-19. WebMD. Common cold antibodies could protect in COVID-19. That's WebMD as well. Science Daily. Can they, These are all there. And then it got fleshed out with more peer-reviewed science that dug into it and said, yes. Especially is the point is they're coming to today and saying, yes. That's how silly this all is. Now, whether they're coming from natural immunity... Talking about transmission. So yeah, so that add these up as you go along and it becomes obvious that you're being deceived. Now, this is what's funny is this is circulating in the in Twitter today, even though this is an old clip. And we talked about this back when she said it. And yes, it's in the context of Delta, not Omicron, but it doesn't change the fact that it's very relevant because it's also being admitted today. And it also goes back before Delta. But this is Delhi Caller saying flashback. CDC director says they don't stop transmission. And you remember this because you watched it on this show. There are some things uh, I'd like to clear up while I have you, Dr. Walensky. In terms of communication, you clearly have data that's informing your decisions or you wouldn't be making these decisions. Uh, but I'll, I'll... Oh, well, that's a great... Look, don't you love that? Oh, thank, thanks, Blitz, for, for setting the stage. Clearly, you have this, otherwise you wouldn't be doing... Or not. Or they've been caught lying and doing exactly that many times in the past. Walensky, literally, specifically Walensky... But yeah, just go ahead and lay it out for us. Make sure we think that they would never do that because they're good people. These, it's people like Blitz and these people, that, if they actually think like that, they're children. Children with some kind of Santa Claus complex. Like they would never do that. They only want what's best for us. Maybe she'll put something in my pillow at night. A lot of experts are asking, why aren't you sharing that data right away or at least releasing it more quickly? Last Tuesday, we made the decision to um, uh, advise masking uh, America among those who are fully vaccinated. And that was decisions based on data that we had seen just as several days before and corroborated even within hours or a couple of days before. Um, we made those recommendations based on data we had 
The data were released on Friday, just three days later. And um, if we had waited to release the data, we would have um, had the uh, uh, public as soon as we yeah, So that's really important to get that information. When it comes to breakthrough cases, people who are fully vaccinated but get COVID, experts have repeatedly insisted that breakthrough cases are rare, almost dismissing fears. But <laughs> Just don't forget that. They, I love it. Rare. Myocarditis is so super rare. Breakthrough cases are so super rare, right? Cases, right, super rare as it's currently the majority, right? (laughs) Of course, they're going to be like, well, it's because Omicron, even though that doesn't really make sense. It's still the coronavirus you're still talking about. Like it just, it, it shows you that it does not work. They're not super rare. I think that's very obvious right now. Wouldn't it have been better to give a more nuanced explanation who are vaccinated we all have to recognize that um, with 164 million people who are vaccinated um, we should expect tens of thousands perhaps of uh, breakthrough infections but the most important or or the majority right the, the way 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 more than that important thing is not the number of the breakthrough infections. Oh, of course not the important thing is not to focus on the fact that it's more <laughs> but what happens here those breakthrough infections have mild illness they are staying fake news we're all seeing that happen right now even with omicron which is supposed to be mild it's not the case. And just wait till we get into the data coming from Public Health of Scotland and everywhere else showing you that it's quite alarming how aggressively it's slanted it is on the side of the vaccinated. On top of the fact that in Public Health of Scotland, the deaths, even per 100,000, are more for the vaccinated. I'd love to see Walensky address that. Out of the hospital, they are not dying. And I think that that's the most important. I, it's funny how I literally just said that they are, and I'll show you the data. And she's going, no, no, no. I'm, this is an old clip, by the way, but it's nonetheless what she would still say today. Important thing to understand we have a massive number of people who are vaccinated. What about uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection? Can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Yes. Could they pass the virus on to older people, especially yes. more vulnerable people, including unvaccinated people? Right. It's funny how they don't want to point that out. They could spread it. They could be the ones getting unvaccinated people sick. Why doesn't that play a factor? (laughs) We know why. With the underlying health condition. And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So, yes, they can with the Delta variant. And that was the reason that we changed our guidance last Tuesday. Um, Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They fake news prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you- there you go. Now, look at this is in the context of Delta, guys. You know, it's funny. I'm going to do I, I, I actually got irritated with people in the comments from yesterday. It's like, you know, is this show about just me just playing clips or is it not centered around my commentary? <laughs> right. Like, I get that I stop it a lot, but that's the whole point. Is it not like if I swear to God, if I if I had if I had watched that whole thing through the other day and then gone back through and broke it down, there'd be somebody that complained in the chat by saying, why didn't you just break it down the first time? It's all there's always somebody who's not happy. Right. So just like my way I'm doing it, guys, or go somewhere else. So I feel safe. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm just joking really, but it's funny that I how else am I supposed to do that anyway? So what's funny is this is in the context of Delta, right? I know I'm I'm not I'm you guys I'm just playing with you. I hope you know that, but it is in the context of Delta, right? So the people screaming that it's only because of Omicron, you need to see she already admitted it wasn't working during Delta, but they're pretending that didn't happen. They're just they're literally going only Omicron. That's why masks don't work. Only Omicron. That's why transmission stopped. No. Let's be clear about this. The data was clear before Delta. These never, never stopped transmission. They reduced the symptoms, so they claimed, and I still maintain I have not seen the evidence of that, 
And then they claim because it reduced symptoms, it therefore reduced transmission. And that, again, the evidence doesn't back that up. Now, we can just leave it there because you get the point of it. She's telling you that this is an old clip. But here is something. I believe this was Orwell that sent this to me. Under updated as of December 20th. So this is the most recent up to date on the CDC website. Omicron variant. What you need to know. This is, it's just amazing to me. Right this moment on Twitter, there'd be people that would argue that this does stop transmission, despite what she's been saying, right? Like right now, you're wrong, you're wrong. Or, or they would say that, oh, it's never, it's never designed to do that. It was only designed to stop symptoms. In the same crowd, you'll get both arguments, but it's because whatever makes them feel better about what they are. But here's what it says. What we need to know about Omicron. The Omicron variant will like, likely will spread more easily than the original SARS-CoV-2 virus. And how easily, it's weird to say virus instead of variant, isn't it? It's not a new virus. It's a different variant of the same virus. Am I crazy? There's some weird stuff happening with the way they're trying to do this. But it says, and how easily, uh, and by the way, that's what they're telling us, not what I'm saying, I think. And how easily Omicron spreads compared to Delta remains unknown. Which is really an interesting thing to state, isn't it? Because, I mean, even as of December 20th, we all very clearly knew that it was, I mean, at least what they were, they're saying it's more transmissible, more transmissible. What we, they claim we didn't know was whether it was more dangerous, even though we did know that. It's where they would say that all the way here though, right? That infection, we don't know. But the last sentence is most important. CDC expects that anyone with Omicron infection, anyone can spread the virus to others, even if they are vaccinated or don't have symptoms. There's no caveat in there for, but when they get the third dose, it works. They're blatantly, there's, it's very clear. You can still spread this even if you're vaccinated. It's anywhere. One shot, two shot, three shots. If you're vaccinated, you can still spread it. So why are we pretending vaccine passports make sense at all in this context? Even though we all know they never did. Or why are we pretending that people being certain situations should only have to wear masks or only the unvaccinated are allowed in here or blah, blah, blah. This is nonsensical at this point. It's, it's unbelievable to me that this is even taking place. Now, here is the Gateway Pundit pointing to a study that I almost promise you they saw from our show, but didn't be able to shout us out. Massive 145 country studies show sharp increase of transmission and death after intro- introduction of COVID vaccines. Now, this is January 9th, but we talked about this a week ago. Uh, it's right here. This I'll read this first, and I'll well, I'll just read this first. Instead of bringing to an end to the pandemic as promised, the widespread rollout of ex, ex, uh, experimental vaccines has already caused a sharp increase in COVID nineteen cases deaths across the world, according to a recent published study preprint that looked at the data from one hundred and forty five countries. Now, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad it's getting spread. But what's funny to me is that I just I had to point this out. This is one that we just discussed. This is all the way from November, by the way. And nobody's talked about this until we put it out there. And I know that because this is the scientist, Kyle, that reached out to me personally because he wanted me to peer review this. And we just talked about that. We just recently went over this. 145 countries, the whole discussion. Here's what. Here's the point. The main point we focused in on. We went through this whole thing in depth. The statistically significant and overwhelmingly positive causal impact of after vaccine deployment on the dependent variables, total deaths, and total cases per million should be highly worrisome for policymakers. It's aggressively slanted on this. It's a, it's, the vaccines are increasing the problems, what he finds. The, they indicate a marketed increase in both COVID-related cases and deaths due directly to a vaccine deployment that was originally sold to the public as the key gate to gain back their, back, back their freedoms. 
Now, what's funny is again that this was—I I know this was basically nowhere because we I was in the in conversation with this guy, and we actually am right now. So I just want to point that out that I find it interesting. There's a lot of these outlets that are constantly standing on the work of other people without giving people credit. Not that that's what it's really about, but that matters though, and we should all agree that that matters. No, nonetheless, I'm glad it's getting out there. Even on them without credit, it's good that it's getting reach. This is an important study that I'm glad people will continue to see. Hopefully, he produces some more, and hopefully, maybe there'll be more we can you know discuss as I just work and reach out to him more. Hope more will maybe be coming that I can help peer review. Like I don't even know if my peer review would even have a lot of standing, but I'm honored that he would ask. But on top of the transmission, that's obviously being sold to us now as it's not right. This doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't. On top of that, the hospitalization illusion is falling apart right in front of us. I mean, it's amazing how many of these things we were all attacked for, made fun of for, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Here is what I think we just, we actually, I think we pointed this the other day, but let's go through this more in depth. As this person points out, lockdown skeptics were right again. New York state will start breaking down its hospital figures between with and because of COVID. Now, why would you not do that in the very beginning? Is that not the most logical thing in the world, especially as you're using those numbers to pretend people are in more risk than they really were? It's because they're they're rolling back the narrative as it suits them. They should be held accountable for why they've been doing it thus far. It says, we're going to start asking some questions because she wants to start looking like the person fighting for you and looking for the truth because they see that that's something people want right now. Is that person in the hospital because of COVID or with COVID? Right. Well, all those people where you are in New York that were jammed in nursing homes and how are you, all these different things that happened are because of this illusion. So you should be held accountable. All of them. We're looking at a critical moment, but we also want to, we're going to start asking some questions. We talk, we talk about the hospitalizations. I have always wondered, when we're looking at the hospitalizations, the people testing positive in a hospital, is that person in the hospital because of COVID or did they show up there and are routinely tested and showing positive, and they may have been asymptomatic or even just had the sniffles. Yeah, yeah. Or not sick at all. How about you just throw that in there too? Because that's what you meant by saying just the sniffles. Like that's that's they don't have it. It's something that's also possible. In fact, highly likely based on the false positive rate that we all know that even they've admitted to. What's crazy to me, I've always had this thought. Oh, did you now? Why didn't you voice that opinion before? Why? Because you would have been canceled, right? It's amazing that they're being allowed to do this now. It's just, it's incredible, but we're watching it happen in real time. Here is Walensky doing the same thing, says that it was encouraging news in the context of Omicron. It's weird to frame it as encouraging news. It, this is, this sounds terrible that most that de- most deaths she's telling you now caused by COVID variant, but in fact, all of the variants, this is how I keep trying to jam this into just because of Omicron. She's saying that most deaths caused by that variant we're in people with at least four comorbidities. Guys, that's exactly the same thing that happened in the beginning. Original strain and so on. The vast majority had what was like 3.6 comorbidities. That was in the very beginning. They said that. We pointed at it and said, look, 96% of these people were very sick. And then you add on the fact that they were tested while they were sick and told they had COVID, which could have been a false positive. The same reason we're having an overestimation of child hospitalizations, or rather a lie as we should look at it. So why is this only right now becoming relevant? This was there before. We talked about it before. Plenty of people got censored for talking about this before. Now they're saying it's okay because they can couch it on Omicron. How dishonest is that? How is it any different than the original discussion from the CDC? I should have brought that page up to be honest, but I forgot. 
Listen to what she says. I mean, this, this is embarrassing. And the point is that even people that believe their narrative, they feel that. They're going, God darn it. Like, that's what they were saying. And I'm the one telling them they're crazy. How they, they, all, they have two choices. They can suddenly realize that this doesn't make sense and start asking questions, or they can double down and just take sides. And then they have a vested interest in continuing to double down, even when they see it gets crazy, because they've already invested in this side. It becomes political battle as opposed to facts and safety overwhelming number of deaths over 75 percent occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities so really these are people who were unwell to begin with the overwhelming yeah exactly you think how crazy that is and she's using that as an argument to justify why this is whatever narrative she's spinning that's exactly the same argument we were making in the beginning with everything else when we were saying guys this shows you that it's not really as dangerous as they want you to think it is they're averaging out the entire number when a huge portion is focused like just in new york just in nursing homes and just people with massive comorbidities and then the false positive test on top of that nah none of that matters let's only bring it back up when it suits our interests how do they not see this and i'm directing that at the people that believe what they're saying well, here's an interesting discussion to move this over into their reported information. Deaths of COVID-19 cases and deaths. Oh, it's weird. Oddly, they left out hospitalization. I wonder why. I think you know why. We'll get into it more in depth in a second. It's funny because now it's like they're just, why would they, they just, they're, this is what it looks like to constantly re-change the data, of, you know, roll it out and rearrange it to make it look squinted and hold it up in the light just right to make it right. This is what they're doing. They're yelling at you to tell you that it reduces hospitalization and death. Yet when they want to prove it with their data, they point to a thing that only talks about cases and deaths. Isn't that interesting? Because hospitalizations right now, especially in Ontario, are way slanted on the fully injected. But just again, higher case and death rates. But I want to point this out before we go to the next part. This is the illusion, one of the massive illusions, one of the primary massive illusions, as we've all been talking about in regard to fully vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Well, wait a minute. There's a whole category in there. There's a huge category. And of course, that even adds a bigger category when you argue that they're going to make fully vaccinated three shots. But let's just pretend for sake of conversation that it's only two shots. Because I mean, just to be to be fair, it only goes to this only goes to November 20th. I wonder why. You're going to find that everywhere right now. We caught Public Health of Scotland in real time, which we'll show you again today putting out a new report, but using the data from the week before. They act like it was a mistake, just like I told you they would. It could have been, but this is what we're seeing. You, or you look at Virginia, which I'll show you in a moment. Their last update was on August, 2021. There's a reason they're not showing you this data, yet keeping the other parts of this page active because they want you to see this. Now, the point is up to date, it's way worse than this. But look, what they're trying to show you here is look at the fully vaccinated way down to the bottom. Look at all the unvaccinated up here. Well, one dose is included in unvaccinated. Because one dose, they don't count as fully vaccinated. I mean, it says it right down here in the information. You can read what they're, what they're calling these things. Now, the point is, what they're trying to argue is five times the risk for testing positive, which how could that even possibly make sense when we can see anywhere you look that the majority of these cases are literally in the fully vaccinated. But then when you include one shot, it's aggressively on one side. But then they say 14 times the risk of dying. Well, I'll show you two locations, three, which I've shown, if we, if we were to bring up the UK right now, which I'm waiting for the next report, none of those back that up. I mean, I, look, I might as well bring that since, just to show you the deaths afterward, just real quick. I won't go through it in depth again. But it is important to conclude that. But going back to where we were, right. So my point is 14 times the risk of dying. 
Ontario, Scotland, or the UK, none of them back that up. It shows you the literal opposite, right? So could it just randomly be that slanted and different from one place to the other? I guess it's possible, but then how would that make sense? Now, uh, same thing with the booster. It just, there's no way this, adds. anyway, the, the point is you're including, no, look, and see the same thing they do here. What about the one shot before it? Why is that not counted? Because that's in the unvaccinated category. And here's my point. This is how the narrative is being slanted. Take a look at what you're seeing in Ontario alone. Look at the breakdown between one shot and fully vaccinated. More people have only one shot. And don't forget in the United States, last time we looked, it was something like 40 million plus. I guarantee it's more than that. So you have this massive amount of people who only got one shot and never went back. Now, whatever you want to insert in there, whether that's because they got really sick and said, never doing that again, whether they got one and thought, hey, I'm good. I don't need any more or whatever you want to throw in there. The point is that people with one shot are being counted as not vaccinated, unvaccinated. And you're looking at 12 million people. That's more than their total full vaccinated count in Ontario. So let's just using that as a a, 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 a a modeling point for everything else, we should be, we should ask, we should look at the same point. How, I would argue that you're having the same kind of situation where there's a massive grouping of people that got one shot that's being added into the unvaccinated. And all of a sudden you got this massive illusion. Is that not, I mean, that's something we should very seriously consider because one shot is enough to cause all these blood clots and long-term problems as all the data has shown you. Now, again, the point I was making, it says right here, fully vaccinated, refers to individuals that have received both doses of a two-dose authorized series, and they, they want, you know, or the one dose of the one-dose series. And what's even weird, though, I forgot about this. It says, or three doses of any vaccine product. I can't believe they're still doing that. Like they're still throwing out there that, yeah, or you can just kind of randomly go out and get anything, you know, um, a, a mishmash of whatever ones you want to get. Again, since I, f- I forgot about this, as, you know, as, since we are, oh crap, I forgot that I don't know the spot. <laughs> Did this the other day. Even though, uh, here, remember what it is, 99. Even though on their page, of, this is from the, U- the European Union, as of the end of November from Pfizer's information, it still says, as of today, the information is the same, that they do not have the data Oh, wait, which one we're looking at? Oh, yeah, the mix, the vaccine mixing and matching right here. And by the way, I even, you know, someone like, uh, what was his name now? Uh, Craig Murray, somebody who, you know, I, I respect in past work and foreign policy and so on, is somebody who's kind of taken another stance here on the vaccine side of it and just posted something the day that said, oh, I got, I got my booster shot and my flu shot right next to each other the same day you know, because whatever, and vaccines are safe and, you know, whatever the narrative is. And I posted this right underneath that. I said, why would you do something as irresponsible and dangerous as getting your booster shot at the same time as the flu shot? Because here's the data that literally says COVID-19 mRNA vaccines will be used in the individual, or right here, studies to determine if co-administration of this injection, the mRNA injection with other vaccines may affect the efficacy or safety of either vaccine have not been performed. Think about that. So he's going out and getting a shot next to the other shot. First of all, the mRNA shot with its own problems that we've all talked about, then getting the flu shot alongside it, which also has its own problems. And then knowing that they didn't even research whether or not those two things would do something bad inside your body. And he's the one telling you that you're crazy for not watching. I don't know. That's he's the one shouting that it's safe or somebody at least standing on the side of how this thing is good for you, or you shouldn't be challenging this. And yet he, this is, that's wildly dangerous and irresponsible. 
I argue it's because he doesn't know that. It's because he was told they were, and he thought they were because that expert said so. There it is right there in plain English, guys. I, I'm going to keep bringing this up until that changes. But it says, or three doses. So go out and get whatever you want. Mix a match and make it. Well, who cares? Hospitalizations include all cases reported as ever being hospitalized during their infection. Hey, that's exactly our point. They can go in, get a test while they're there with a broken leg that says they're sick, even though they don't show symptoms and it could be a false positive, leave, never get sick. And that goes down as a hospitalization. Or as I said, they then get in a car accident that goes down as a death for COVID-19. But on top of that, you can get tested today because you just, you want to make sure, even though I scream, I hope you do not go out and do that, but you can go out and get tested today. They can tell you you're sick. You won't have symptoms. A week from now, you can go into the hospital because you broke your leg. Then that's still a COVID hospitalization because that's a case reported as ever being hospitalized during their infection because that's a time frame they still count you in the infection. Do you see how subjective and crazy this is and how easy that is to manipulate? Of course, the people that want to believe this would just say they'd never do that because they care about us. Well, that's a pretty childish thing to say. That is easy to manipulate right there. Now, here is Public Health of Ontario. In, uh, this, this is specifically their breakdown on this, what well, you could see here, one dose fully vaccinated. This is interesting in regard to the same breakdown, but for all of them, and it does show partially. And guess what you see? What do you know? Check this out. Summary of confirmed cases. Cumulative case count up to December, cumulative case count up to December 29th, 2021. Unvaccinated account for 4,380. For a per one one per one million person days, that's a what? What? Per rate per one million person days? What does that even mean? Let's see what it says down here. Vaccination. I just assumed that said per one hundred thousand. I didn't even see that. Rates in cases are not necessarily indicative of the severity of the illness in these cases. What does that even mean? Whatever. I mean, I just, that seems, it's, it's, I'm not, I promise you, there, everything seems different. One's a percentage, one's the per 100,000, now it's per 1 million person day. This is ridiculous, but it's still the same breakdown of overall. Now look at the, look at what it says 4,380 in that time frame in the unvaccinated, 23,445 in the breakthrough, which is fully injected on, uh, in the same time frame. That accounts for 77.3 of all cases and the rate per 100, 1 million per day, whatever, whatever that stands for, is higher. 36.3 versus 24.2. That does not line up with their narrative. They keep going, but, but it's, it's more dangerous. It's only because all of them are, most of them are injected. That's why it looks that way. You're misrepresenting it. Well, no, it clearly shows that right there. Then you can look at the per dose, post dose. Three. Even though it's way lower, 780, look at the breakdown. It's still higher than the uninjected. There is no way to un misunderstand this unless you're just ignoring it. This is just cases. But it still shows you their, their, their narrative is absolutely false. They're just lying blatantly and pointing to that as if that's the truth. No, oh, that's right. I don't think they went. Uh, let's see. On the other ones, I'm pretty sure they didn't break it down. That's why I just left it at that, of course. 
There's more information here, by the way. I will I always include these for those in the show notes. That's strange. Like, why wouldn't you go into the other two? But anyway, that point is the main point. I don't need to go back to it, in fact. But that it, reality is that they're, the per 100,000 or whatever they want to use the metric on is, is in, in the very least, very similar. What was this one? Oh, that's not one. Anyway, so going forward to the next part. There it is. The same point. I'm making the same point. And, th- and this is where we get into the hospitalizations. Now, this is also Ontario. And of course, don't miss that due to technical difficulties, the case rate by vaccination status is unavailable. Oh, I forgot to make this point too. This is specifically, oh, it does say it right there, up to December 29th. And I did say that. So it's not up to the today, but still very relevant as of last month and the end of the month. This and this, these are the cases. It's weird that they don't want you to see whatever's happening right now. I don't. I think it's because of the same point made elsewhere. But hospitalizations, check this out. This is from January 7th. I already showed you this. More than 50% of the people in ICU with COVID-19 are people who have injections. That's including the partially vaccinated, but that's only 17. The point is, that's the majority. This part of it, 119 is unvaccinated cases. You can clearly see the majority are people with injections in their body. Then aggressively, almost three fourths of people in hospital with COVID-19, they say, are full. Look at the breakdown. It's very, very clear. Okay, now going up to the or and then bring it to the next report. That's up as of today. Watch the change. It gets worse. Now, almost 50% are just fully vaccinated in the ICU. There's no way that breaks down into super rare as they keep trying to scream at you. Then you include partially, and it's, you know, what, 60%? ICU is about the same. Or excuse me, just hospitals, about the same. It's unbelievable how obvious this is. Now we bring it into Public Health Scotland. This is an important one for me because we caught them in real time. You could argue it was just an oversight, but I find that almost impossible to believe, in my opinion. This was the one we were going looking at from December 20th. And I just wanted to show you uh, the date, first of all, so you can see it. For those of the podcast, I'm just showing you the ones we went at, looked at before. We're showing you the breakdown of the dates in the information. And now I might as well just compare them as well to show you the information that's important. I forgot. I wanted to remember the page. It's 35. Okay. So here is the breakdown from this is back on December, showing you November 20th to December 17th. And the same point. You can look at the overall cases and the vast majority of them are on the side of the fully vaccinated. And then even the percentages are basically the same. So there's no breakdown. There's no argument that this is only because of this. If the percentages are the same, then they're not slanted because they're almost them are vaccinated. Same point here. You can see very clearly, same date breakdown. On This is the main point, unvaccinated versus two dose for the most part. Look at the numbers. Every week is very, it's much, much more hospitalizations on the side of the fully injected, then you can just compare the breakdown of the per 100,000. I mean, it's basically the same in most of them. In, in, in December, November, November 27th to the 3rd is more. or the, it's, Yeah, it's more or the same for the most part. Either way, it's not some like small percentage in the corner versus most over here. It's, it's basically equivalent for the most part. And it only gets worse to the week we're going to show you next, which is why I think they were trying to hide it. But if it's super rare, it shouldn't be 1% different, right? Deaths are the most obvious. Now, this is the main point because hospitalizations, you could argue, are subjective for a lot of reasons. PCR tests, the way they perceive it, this is pretty crazy. And again, this is back to December 10th. Look at the breakdown. 
very, very clearly much more on the side of two doses, and then look at the per 100,000. It's higher in almost every category, specifically the last one, which jumps to 9.3 per 100,000. The last one here is 5.5. Look at the one-dose breakdown, 17.22 per 100,000 versus 5 for unvaccinated. I guess they just missed that in their aggressive argument about why it's only on the side of the unvaccinated. Think about that. And then, okay, so bringing us to the next report. Now, here was the report we showed you on the last show. Oh, just jump, going to jump. So you can see January 5th, jump to 35, and you will see. There, that was 40. That's weird. You will see. Look, it's the same dates. And you saw this in the last show, November 20th to December 17th. Now, one thing I want to show you is they have this weird little marker here, this, this red breakdown. Here, it says, please note that COVID-19-related acute hospital admissions data included in this section now only indicates in, includes individuals 16 years and over, of course, because we can't show you all the kids getting sick with their injections. Of course, I can't do that. How ridiculous is that? But the reason I'm showing you is be, just to make it clear, on the new report, this is what it now says. And it's clear at the top anyway, but January 5th, and it goes publication date the 7th, but revised on the 10th. I, 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 it makes me happy to think that we caught them and they had to change it because of us. Maybe not, but it's funny to me to consider that. But just to jump to that middle part, now it says, now due to data delays during Christmas period, now we may be able, yeah, retroactively going delays because of the holiday. Why wouldn't you have said that in the last one when you, when you changed it? Because you got caught, guys. And you think you know that. It's my opinion. But where was it? Oh, it's right here. Starting with cases. Now I have these broken down for you. Now you can see clearly December 4th to December 31st. Now, this is important. I wrote this stuff down. We're going to go over it right here in a reasonably quick fashion. I need, I want, people need to walk away from this understanding that there's no air in this conversation. You can see unvaccinated, one dose, two dose, three dose. Total cases percentage in the same point. Now going just to cases, Public Health of Scotland, and this is the time frame. That's all we're talking about. Actually, no, this was, uh, Oh, that's right. I forgot. Uh, let me show you this real quick, which is pretty strange. Oh, no, I think I just wrote it wrong. Okay. That was the other one. No, okay. I thought so. Isn't this strange? Why, see, why would they use November 27th to December 24th on just deaths, but all the rest of them use a different breakdown? Isn't that weird? Look at where they start over here. I think there's a reason to that. That's December 4th. Hmm. Something they're they're playing games. What if you're going to do this the right way? You would use the same breakdown, the same period. That's how you do this. But that's manipulative. But starting with the cases, now just ignore that date for other than the deaths, total COVID cases, and that doesn't change anything other than what it says. But the point was, it's a one month breakdown. That's important. A whole month total reported COVID cases in this month period that they're reporting: two hundred thirty-eight thousand nine hundred seventy-four. Unvaccinated people in that time frame accounted for 27% of those cases. And this is the same for every week before this that we've looked at, every month, I should say. The last two reports we've studied have been the same way. Fully injected, or rather in this case, it's just injected because I'm combining all the other ones, right? Just so we could see that. But make sure you understand that the breakdown is relatively inconsequential. It's mostly on the two-dose category where the problems which is are, are become clear. 78%. 78% of the cases in that time frame were full were injected with a dose or two or three. Moving on to hospitalizations. Here's the breakdown. 
hospitalization data from Christmas period may be incomplete. Right, of course. This is now that's added afterward. At why they didn't do it in this other report is pretty obvious, I think, because they one I thought they tried to sneak it by you. But going to hospitalizations, again, this is really important to focus on the dark part here, which is the per one hundred thousand. But before that, just recognize how obviously the numbers are much, much greater in every category on the two dose category. So before the two per hundred thousand the majority of hospitalizations are happening in the fully injected and the boosted. Pretty clear. Taking that breakdown for hospitalizations, it accounts for 1,000, or they claim 1,885 hospitalizations in that one month period. Of the unvaccinated, which accounted for 509, it's only 27%. Again, 27%. That's it. Which, by the way, or I'll get to that last. Then vaccinated fully, or people who are vaccinated, dang it. You see how this frustrates me, guys? I'm trying to stick with the injected, but I feel like it confuses the issue when I'm bouncing all over the place, which is my failure. But injected, in one way or another, accounted for 1,376, which is 73% of the hospitalizations in that month. 73%. That's the majority of hospitalizations in that month were people that were injected. But then you break it down per 100,000. Now, all you have to do here is average these numbers. Right, and then you get the 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 per one hundred thousand for the month. You average those out, and guess what? Even the hospitalizations. This is what they were just trying to yell at you was not true. Unvaccinated account accounted for fifty nine point seven. Or excuse me, now I'm being confusing. This one is close. The deaths are more. Repeating that so it's clear for the podcast. In the hospitalizations in this month period, unvaccinated accounted for fifty nine point seven per one hundred thousand. In that same time frame for hospitalizations, the 73%, 50.3 per 100,000. Now, yes, that's more. But the reality is that does not, I mean, look at the breakdown. So that accounts for 9.7 more hospitalizations per 100,000 if you believe those hospitalizations are all correct. Remember, that's a huge caveat because they could go in there with something else and be told they're sick. But regardless of that, how is that rare? If we're really trying to pretend that this is a rare thing, how would it be that close? And then on top of that, the numbers are more. So 73% are hospitalized because, and they're injected. And then it's still 50 per 100,000. It's very clear that doesn't make, it doesn't make sense what they're trying to sell you on. But this is the most important part, as I've said from the very beginning, because the deaths are pretty hard to misrepresent in regard to dying or not, right? Same breakdown here, same time frame. In fact, a little larger very obviously slanted on the two doses. But this is the most important part. Just glancing at this, look at these numbers. Just taking the first week, 27.51 per 100,000 in unvaccinated. Just one dose jumps to 36.68. That's deaths, guys. 36.68 per 100,000. You jump almost 10 per 100,000 with just one dose. Then you jump up to, or you, it continues on to 34.85 per 100,000 with two doses. And that is still much higher than unvaccinated. Then, or rather that just goes to two after the third dose, but I argue that's going, we're going to see that increase with the time. But breaking just unvaccinated versus two doses, which they claim is fully, that's the important part here. They claim there was 279 deaths over the time frame, the one month period we're talking about. Unvaccinated account for 59 of those, which is only 19% of the total deaths accounted for or reported because they're claiming it could be incomplete. So fine, the reported, what they're telling us in this time frame. 
That's only 20.87%. That's it. Or excuse me, 19%. Account 20.87 per 100,000. I'm sorry I'm being confusing with this. The point is vaccinated accounted for 225 of those deaths in that one month period. 81% of all the deaths in that time period. And guys, there's no misunderstanding how clear this is. 32.19 per 100,000 versus 20.87 per 100,000. That's deaths in that month, vaxxed versus unvaxxed. No, there, there's no misunderstanding that. It, it, you could argue it's different next week or next month, and it was different all the way up until now. There, and it wasn't because we've shown you. But right there in this month, it's very clear that in Ontario, the P, there was more deaths aggressively in the fully injected and then per 100,000, their death was almost, it was dramatically higher in the general sense. But nobody wants to care. Nobody wants to talk about this in the mainstream because of how clearly it shows you that they're lying. Then, of course, just to add this in there, which I'll include for the show notes, you guys can read for yourselves. And I'll update this as it comes out with the next, the next report for week 53 or week two of, of 2022. But just the same point, guys. This one's crazy. These are way slanted, especially the cases. I mean, just compare these numbers, or this one is right, those to these, but going down here, this is the point. Death is the main point I wanted to make. It's very obvious. It's the same story, same story, especially the most vulnerable having the most problem. I'll include it for you guys to review for yourselves, but this, this is my notepad. This won't be included. So take screenshots if you want, but there's very clear reality there. Now, pulling this over into Pfizer. And Reuters, and they're kind of like active effort to like, I don't know, censor their own work in real time to cover up what's happening. I think what's interesting is that what we're seeing is a change of the narrative because of how obviously this is not the way they are telling you it's going. And so this is the updated version, the most recent one of this article, which has been changed three times as far as I could tell. Pfizer CEO unsure on need for fourth dose. <laughs> but understand, Israel's already putting that in people's arms. So clearly the narrative was to go that direction, and now it's changing because people aren't going along with it. They're barely selling the third dose to people in this country, so they're like, well, we don't know. It's already happening. There are already places that are mandating the fourth shot. Let's pretend like that makes sense. But that's what they're telling you. The Pfizer CEO, he's unsure about it. Well, Insider Paper reports, Pfizer has signed three deals to broaden the use of the messenger RNA technology. MRNA, that its COVID-19 vaccine was based on, including a pact worth as much as $1.35 billion with gene editing specialist Beam Therapeutics, according to Reuters. I said, okay, well, that's interesting. I tried to find it. So I searched for it. It wasn't there. The only reason I found this article uh, and look and realized that it was, it was this article and had to find the Wayback Machine version is because I searched for the original name and it kept bringing up this one. Pfizer, no need. And it does that sometimes. It'll show you. So I clicked it and turned out, or rather found the URL and looked into the Wayback Machine. And what do you know? Or this is the same one. This is what we found. First, it said this, January 10th, you can see. Pfizer joins Beam Therapeutics to develop rare disease therapies. Now, ask yourself this. This is not some like updated article where it's like new breaking news and they keep updating it. This is, Reuters doesn't even do that very often. This is them literally changing in real time an article they posted and removing it from existence. So you wouldn't find it. Why in the world would you do that? In fact, if you were going to do that, and this was the page you did it on, you're almost required 
by journalistic integrity and journalistic standards to post that and say, we've updated this article. They don't do that. So let's read into what they didn't want you to see, or re- at least ask whether that was the case, because it's very strange that this one and this one disappeared underneath this. There's no, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Here's what it said. Drug maker Pfizer will collaborate with gene editing specialist Beam Therapeutics in a deal worth as much as $1.35 billion to develop therapies for rare genetic diseases. Right. This group, that this technology, which is what they're applying here, is still literally flushing out, in fact, beginning to show you that it doesn't work. But we're already jumping to this next massive work, right? I think that's what may be the focus, shifting into what else is going to be used here. Beam will receive $300 million up front a payment and lead research activities till three new therapy targets are selected for development from outside the firm's existing programs. The company said on Monday, Pfizer will then be responsible for development and regulatory activities for the targets. Great. I feel better with the option to opt in on exclusive worldwide licenses for each. Fantastic. Biotech firm Beam, which went public on February 2020, uses gene editing technology to develop treatments for rare genetic diseases. So exactly like what we're doing now, except they don't want you to know that because we pretend it wasn't gene therapy, even though we're actually admitting it was now, just like every other part of this thing. Whoa, fake news because they don't want you to know for some crazy reason, right? We just, we literally just talked about this. Here he is. A, a, this is Stefan uh, Ulrich from Bayer discussing this, the mRNA technology. For us, therefore, uh, we're really taking that leap, uh, us as a company, Bayer. Uh, in cell and gene therapy, which to me is one of these examples where really we're going to make a difference, hopefully, uh, moving forward. There's some, uh, uh, ultimately, the uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take a, a gene, th- gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body? We would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to to innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before. Yeah. And as I said last time, not even close. Like the, the argument that this somehow was just like, oh, the pandemic opened our eyes to how useful this is. No, it was forced on everybody. Nobody knew what this was even, what this even was. They lied about it. They literally said, no, it's gene, not gene therapy. You're a conspiracy theorist. Censor them. Right. That's how that went. So now that you're, and his question is the interesting point or his, his point is the interesting thing to, just to entertain here. He's literally going, if we would have asked before this, 95% of people would have said no. And what changed their minds? Oh, that's right. COVID-19, or rather that was the agenda. Did it? I don't think so. So they're forcing it. Just recognize how crazy that is, that we're supposed to be crazy for calling it gene therapy. There's all sorts of fact checks on whether it's gene therapy. And here is one of the people in this showing it's obviously gene therapy. And by the way, they said that before this all started, as you should know if you cared to look at all. But it's all fake news if you listen to Twitter and, and fact checks and, and Reuters and whoever else wants to tell you these things. But back to the point. Where were we here? Pfizer will be responsible for developing this gene editing. Gene therapies aim to correct certain diseases by replacing the missing or mutated versions of a gene found in a patient's cells with healthy copies, making the world's most expensive drugs. Right. We're talking about the same stuff here, guys, to pretend like this isn't what we're doing. I mean, just think about how alarming that sounds. And that's exactly why they did not want you to think about gene therapy. 
or a genetically altering injection. Beam is also eligible to receive royalties on net sales for each target under the agreement that has an initial term of four years and can be extended for an initial year. So they both have aggressively obvious profit motives. Yet we're framing them as like these philanthropic groups fighting for your health. No, it's a company with bottom lines and they will do unjust and sometimes illegal things to meet that bottom line as they've been caught for do caught doing more times than we can count. Well, we're not really more set something like 78 different crimes. They've been caught for like five billion or $7 billion now. So I, okay. Now I said it, I have to bring it up really just for the show notes. Oops. Oh, there it is. Nope. That's not it. Right there. For those who want to go over this, this isn't. This is just important. And oh, now it's up to ten billion now. Excuse me, ten billion different fines for seventy-five different crimes that they should have been shut down for. You know, like lying about off-label unapproved drugs, or lying about whether it's safe, lying about what they can do. You know, all the things they're telling you we should trust Pfizer for. They've been caught lying for and paid out billions of dollars in crimes for. But you know, no big deal. And they're the ones that are responsible for telling you what's going on. But here is the last one. This, this is where it was right before. And this is what caught people's attention. And then it changed. Pfizer doubles down on mRNA tech. You mean, you mean that technology that we're all right now questioning that's literally being shown to not actually do what we think it does? Or that Pfizer CEO himself came out and said that it's the safety profile does not seem to be what we want it to be? Yeah, let's double down on that. Let's start multiple, multiple new projects in the midst of what they tell us is a pandemic of the century. Does that make sense? Three new deals. Pfizer has signed three deals to broaden the use of this mRNA technology. Right. Um, who didn't see that coming? That in COVID-19 vaccine was based on including a pact worth as much as $1.3 billion with gene editing specialist beam therapeutics. So you can see there's overlap. There's interesting overlap to the first two. Anyway, the pharmaceutical giant has been looking to advance the development of mRNA based vaccines and therapeutics after it led global efforts to develop a shot against COVID pandemic. Right. That is not panning out and is hurting a lot of people. But we'll just leave that part out. That's this. They're standing on this to justify why this all makes sense. Pfizer will also collaborate with Codex DNA right, for an undisclosed sum to leverage the biotech's proprietary technology, which could enable more efficient development of mRNA based vaccines. But I thought they were safe and effective and perfectly working 100 percent of the time. But we're going to make them work better. Therapeutics and other biopharma product, biopharma products. It's collaboration with private biotech. Acutus Therapeutics will focus on the use of the Vancouver-based company's lipid nanoparticle technology for developing up to 10 vaccines or therapeutics. Well, lipid nanoparticles, you don't say. Interesting parts we're going to get to in a minute about that. But now going back to this, just recognize that that's not what we're talking about here. Chief Executive, unsure about the need for the fourth dose. This is literally the same link. When you search, when you, and, I, and you can see that by the way back machine using the same link, right? That's the crazy part. Oh, here, this was uh, taking the link from, oh, you guys can look, look at the links for yourself. Grab the link, search for it. You'll see what I mean. The point is that it goes to this page now. Why would they do that? Doesn't this seem like a val- the conversation that they would have? I don't even know why they would hide behind that or why they would do that, but I, but they surely did because here it is. You can look it up for yourself. Now, here is the conversation on Biopharma Dive, just saying the same thing. Pfizer expands into gene editing. <laughs> no, that's what I forgot to point that out. No, they didn't expand into gene editing. They're literally already doing that. And that's exactly what he is telling you. These are already genetic editing or genetic, genetic therapies. That's just what they're talking about. That's what it is. 
So it's funny that they try to frame it like that, but that's the same point. I, I don't need to read that stuff. Here is what they're talking about. So don't, don't miss that same point, that we are in the midst of something that is showing that it does not do what they said it would do based on the same reasons we were all yelling in the beginning. But Pfizer and Biotech signed a new global collaboration agreement, a global collaboration agreement. With who exactly? Who are the, who's the global? Are we talking about the World Health Organization? Are we talking about the World Economic Forum? I mean, really think about that. What is this global collaboration agreement? Who is making global agreements and on behalf of whom? Right? This is the new direction, guys. This is your public-private partner. This is the beginnings of the global organization, the global government, whatever you want to call it. It's already flushing out. We are seeing health mandates handed down from this organization or whatever you want to call it to governments and heads of state. A global collaboration agreement to develop the first mRNA-based shingle vaccine. Shingles vaccine. I mean, Pfizer is not a, this, a global company. This is, a, this is a, a company in the United States that's somehow now working with global. I mean, this, this is strange to me. Third mRNA vaccine collaboration between companies to accelerate this. It says based on biotech's proprietary mRNA technology and Pfizer's antigen technology, right? The things right now that we're seeing not really work in the way they say they do. Clinical trials are expected to start in the second half of 2022. They're already jumping into trials. They're going to be testing some people in the midst of a pandemic supposed to be happening. Now ask yourself that, which just popped into my head. Isn't it, are we worried that that might in some weird way conflict or contrast with what we're dealing with? Who cares though? Let's jam some new mRNA gen genetic therapy technology into the mix while we're supposed to be dealing with other vaccines that are circulating and shedding spike proteins. And yeah, God knows where that's going to go. And I can promise you they don't know either and probably don't care. Probably an exciting experiment for them. We'll see how that works out. Just my thoughts. Finally, July 9th, 2019. Taking a step back pre-COVID, self-destructing mosquitoes and sterilized rodents, the promise of gene drives. Altering the genomes of entire animal populations could help to defeat disease and control pests, or do a lot more. But researchers worry about the consequences of unleashing this new technology, right, the ones that actually have morals and integrity going, wait, we've seen what they've done with this before and what they could do, and that's very alarming, and they go, shut up, it's what we're going to do anyway. The point being, I'll get to the one things I wanted to read here, the genetic biocontrol of invasive rodents, or GBIRD program, wants to do more with gene drive mice than study them in a lab. Mice. Okay, interesting. So let's take just like a real quick dance back to this and go, okay, where did the Omicron variant come from? Maybe from mice. Is there a connection? Eh, who knows? Nobody will step into that other than us, so let's keep looking into it. But it says... The, uh, a, uh, the, oh, I just, so oh, there it was, it, the gene drive mice that's, uh, oh, did I skip that? Hold on. Yeah, right here. Wants to do more with gene drive mice than study them in a lab, which I find really, really interesting. Maybe do something in the real world, which is seemingly the, ob the obvious, con other, where else would they be, right? A partnership of universities, governments, and non-governmental organizations. Oh, again, so this global partnership managed by a non-profit group, Island Conservation, which, by the way, I forgot to look into more. Somebody dive into that. Tell me what their connections are. Wants to use the technology to eliminate invasive rodents from islands where they wreak havoc on native wildlife. Okay, so using gene jive technology released into them with a genetic therapy, like an injection, which could then remove them from the population. Is That's very relevant, it would seem, today. Even though we're going conspiracy theory. Why? Because it's not possible? No, it clearly is. We can see it. 
because you claim they wouldn't do it. Ah, and that's a really logical argument. They would never do that. History says otherwise. So who's really one being childish here? Is it fake news because it's not possible? Obviously not. To argue that it's fake news because government wouldn't do that? I mean, that is seriously, this is the Santa Claus thing. They are children pretending like they're being taken care of by some loving care. For, I mean, this is crazy. Of course they could and would do that. Can I prove they are? No. But dismissing the conversation because you were told it's conspiracy theory makes you the most ignorant person in that group on the planet to me. You are the problem if you're doing that. And a lot of those people are in the quasi-independent media. Pesticides are currently being used for this purpose, they say. But, that's killing rodents, but they are expensive and difficult on larger islands with human populations. Yeah, and we'll leave out the fact that that actually hurts a lot of the human population, and they don't care about that. They are feasible on only about 15% of the islands, says the person in the program. We are trying to look at technologies that would take care of the other 85%, developing gene drive technology in mice. Meanwhile, some mosquito researchers hope to try something more subtle than completely wiping out insect populations as a means of preventing disease. And we've already seen Bill Gates and everybody else involved with this, openly involved with this genetic manipulation inside mosquitoes and so on. Why that's not relevant? Remember, people brought that up in the beginning of this, and it was called fake news, conspiracy theory, because that's Bill Gates is fighting for you, and you're all crazy, right? I hope we're beginning to question these things. Quote, we want to build a Trojan horse inside the mosquito. Great. When a mosquito is infected by a virus, whether it's dengue, Zika, yellow fever, whatever, coronavirus, whatever, right? It activates our system, which kills the mosquito. Interesting. Can gene drives be controlled? Before Kevin Svelte ever built a single CRISPR-based gene drive, he'd wake up in cold sweats thinking about the ramifications. Quote, I realized, oh, hey, this isn't just going to be about malaria. This is potentially going to be something any individual who can make a transgenic genetic fruit fly could build to edit all the fruit flies. Well, gee, but let's make it anyway. Let's change our entire face of the planet. I mean, that's obviously a concern, but he says, but it's no surprise then that in 2014, when the geneticist, which Esvolt and George Church, of course, built their first gene drive at Harvard Medical School in Boston. Don't, don't miss the eugenics ties in that. They, sim- they simultaneously built a reversal drive to overwrite the original drive on command. Ah, I see. So the people that are doing it claim that they're going to, they're going to enforce themselves, right? That sounds sort of like we investigated our crime and found ourselves not guilty, right? We made the, our button that we could push to make it so we could turn it back. What if you don't want to turn it back, though? <laughs> I guess that just gets ignored. So this can literally change the face of our planet, which is what it can do. And we're just going to trust that they'll roll it back if they think they didn't st- made a mistake. In 2017, DARPA's Safe Genes program announced it was spending $65 million across seven U.S. research teams studying how to control, counter, and reverse gene drives. Or, as anybody's ever pointed out, used in the other way used in a way that could do things to hurt people and not do that, which is the same argument. Same with the insect allies conversation when they, when they tried to roll out this program and they said, well, no, that's a bioweapon. And they said, no, it's used the other way. Well, okay, so it could be both then is the point. We're mitigating the potential for misuse, whether it's accidental or nefarious. Again, which puts it in the control of the very people who we think are the ones creating the problem. You see what I mean? Like, why would we pretend that DARPA is the one watching out for our safety? That's the last thing we should, that's not even, that historically, that's blatantly not true. 
why this is the point so we're at a point now jumping into today where they have this technology always have and they're the ones controlling it and we're supposed to pretend they're the ones watching out for our safety do you feel very safe right now i sure don't but bringing this back to the point of gene genetic therapy rodents all of this mice and where omicron came from it seems like there's a lot of this that really ties together then we bring it to the point of omicron news update pfizer is telling you in the midst of all of this right now as we just told you before, and you should know by now, Omicron is, is according to the narrative, according to everywhere else in the world, Botswana, South Africa, all over the place, dramatically less dangerous, which in some people's perception would be a positive to create herd immunity, if you think that's what's happening. Nonetheless, Pfizer's racing out their injection just in time for something that's not a danger. New vaccine against Omicron variant ready in March. Great, great. So months from now, we're going to get this thing. We're already talking about the new variant in France and whatever else they're claiming is coming. And we're going to make this thing for a not dangerous variant because why? Well, here's where they make that clear. Pfizer announces Omicron vaccine, quote, also effective against other variants. Ah, okay. So it started where they go, we're going to make it in hundred days just for Omicron because we're doing it for you. Nowhere in that was it discussing new variants. Well, now that it's obvious, that makes no sense. They go, well, well we made it other variants too. Well, you know what actually really does do that? Natural immunity. And that's what I keep showing people in, I forgot all of a sudden which one it was. There it is. And by the way, there's more up-to-date stuff, which I believe even Dr. Malone has discussed and, and come around to the, what we were seeing in the beginning, that even Omicron seems to be, protect, you have, you're producing antibodies even to Omicron. As that, that one study made it very clear specifically in children that it does. But this point was always the same from the beginning. From 2020, if you got sick, you've been making ultra-potent antibodies against continual variants of concern. That's what this found. Very clearly. Structural and functional analysis revealed that antibody breadth is mediated by targeted site of vulnerability at the tip and the offset of the major blah, blah, blah. Where was it? Over right here. Our study demonstrates that convalescent subjects previously infected, going back to 2020, with the original strain, produce antibodies that cross-neutralize variants of concern with high potency. So that does do that already. But come take this thing that we think might do this or that will remove antibodies from your blood. But so they jump over and say, oh, but we can do this too. Now ask yourself this. Did they begin to do it from the beginning? And if so, why didn't they say that? Why didn't they say, oh, we're going to use Omicron as a justification to roll out an injection that will, re will continue to do that? They didn't do that. They sold it to you as Omicron, 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 because that was the hype. Now they say this. Now, was that the case or are they just saying that now? And if they did switch it midstream, how does that make sense? So in 50 days, they jammed it over to all variant? No, I believe this was always, they've been doing this the whole time. This is the universal step. This is the flu universal, coronavirus universal, mRNA platform, universal injection step. That's what that means. And it says on CNBC's Squawk Box, which again was the point we just referenced, but they, of course, nobody's getting into where he addresses that it's not working for you. He says the vaccine will also be effective against other variants of the coronavirus in circulation, adding that, quote, it's not yet clear whether or not a, a specific vaccine is needed for Omicron variant or how it would be used. What? I mean, seriously, guys, this was like a week ago. That's what they were telling you this was only for. And now they're going, well, we don't even know if we need one for Omicron, but here's one that's going to work against everything. They have no shame about shifting the narrative to whatever the current talking point is. You're being sold, America. If you don't see that, you're just choosing to ignore how obvious the shifting goalposts are. It says, but we will have the first doses ready soon. <laughs> what? Again, so you just said, we don't even know if we need it. 
but you have, you'll have it soon, which clearly means that's what you were aiming for. Soon as some countries want the drug as ready as soon as possible. The CEO of the U.S. pharmaceutical giant finally said that, quote, the hope is that we will be able to get something that will have better protection, particularly against infection, because it doesn't, it's nothing, because protection against hospitalization and serious illness right now, you have with the current vaccines, as long as you have, let's say, the third dose, right? Exactly. Which that's not even true, because the current data shows that after two months, it's the same place. It drops off and you're back at square one. So the point is that two shots, it's even in that same statement is confirming to you again, that two shots, you don't have that protection. And even then, the three shots still show you that you're not protected in that way because we just showed you the data. We just showed you the data that makes it clear that even the third shot is crazy higher. Or which one was it? Right here? I don't know. I went over it already. You guys saw it. Bottom line. Uh, where were we? Way over here. They're telling you, get the third one, get the third one. But they're already making something different because they claim it's not working. Like, right? Think about how crazy that is. Get the third one right up until we get the one that's supposed to work against this because that's not working and that's why we're making this. <laughs> Isn't it ridiculous? But okay, so the point is it's coming out in March. New injection that's supposed to be maybe Omicron, but whatever we claim it is for all the variants, which we don't, I don't even know how they could argue. How would they even know that? Think about that. How in the world would they even be able to prove that in real time? The reason this is proving out in real time is because they're having real world data against people that are going up against what they claim is happening. They don't have that for what they're dealing with here because that injection's not in the world yet. And they don't even have a real world study because it's been done in less than 100 days. We are being lied to. Then, to finally finish it off, new, new article, Pfizer CEO says Omicron variant targeted vaccine is most likely outcome. Okay, so we I'm getting whiplash here. Get make up your mind, guy. I just love this picture, which is why I used it. Like, like what is the point? Science. Oh, I this is so scientific. Can't you tell the word science is right there? Man, these guys are scientific. That's just so stupid. Like, I mean, really, when you really take a step back and think about it, what is how that that's so childish. And his face just looks like he's confused or like, oh, oops, something like that. That's why I used it. Which is just the word science. Uh, it's just so funny because they think that that's actually why they do that because, oh, this is, we're going to, you know, give you the impression that this is, we're all about the science over here. Well, it doesn't seem so, does it? This, oh, that's right. So I'm, I'm glad I just remember that. So bringing this over into the lipid nanoparticle discussion, which is the next part of this. This is the article we were just discussing, but I wanted to remind myself with this. So in collaboration with this group, Pfizer and this company, Acutus Therapeutics will focus specifically on their lipid nanoparticle technology, which, by the way, is the should be the biggest focal point for us in regard to the problem here, or one of them, as we've been saying from day one. And only a few people have really continued to focus on this, and I don't know why this hasn't got more attention. The main point in the beginning of why the original ones didn't work for SARS and before is because of the lipid nanoparticle toxica- uh, toxicity. The more they increased the lipid nanoparticles, the more they had in, like overwhelming adverse events and they had to stop the trials. But and, and they needed to increase lipid nanoparticles because it wasn't delivering the mRNA instructions if they didn't increase it. That was a hurdle they never seemed to get past. All this time, then COVID-19 crashed and we said, okay, rush out these things. what they do? They increased the lipid nanoparticles and that made it instructions deliver. How did we get past the, the problem at adverse events? Well, look around you guys. We didn't. It's happening. Adverse events are exploding. Look at Vayers and they dismissed this left and right, even though it just got revealed that even the CDC admitted that it was over, 
that Vayers is underestimated by 6.5 times. It's way more than that, as HHS and Harvard found. It's only 1%. But even they're even now grudgingly admitting, yeah, it's an underestimate, as they then dismiss all of it as fake news. Right? I mean, it's incredible to me that we don't address that outside of this show. The lipid nanoparticles were dramatically increased, which is the point. And that's how they claim they got this to work. And we see the outcome, the fallout from that. Well, here's a really interesting conversation on top of that. Jean Reese, delivering some great information. Lately. I've been, a couple of times we've referenced her, her Twitter account here. Make sure actually I'm following her. I believe I am. Yeah. Encourage a, a read, encourage a read to read this document slowly. You will find that the lipid nanoparticles, specifically these two, and I'll show you where those come from, used in Pfizer, were, quote, for research only, not for human use. Now, this is this is a question put forward by uh, uh, Guido Rael, German member of parliament for Europe. Now, this is really important, the stuff that she goes through here, reads this directly from it, we'll read it in a second, showing you. Echelon, the manufacturer of these nanoparticles, specifies they're for research only, not for human use. And I'll show you it's, it's what the truth is. They even had to address it. Administering a vaccine, particularly to children, which contains this, is a big deal. Oops. Now she's asking basically, how was this allowed? How did this get past regulatory oversight? Which we should know by now is a, is a joke for the most part. Captured agencies. But then she adds to that. These are the same nanoparticles used in the U.S. that the FDA could only find where, as far as I can tell, only 50% went. Now, we'll show you this. We'll go through all this. And it's, this, I'm just showing you, this was all her work. She, she deserves all the credit for this. And then she gave, and the reason I'm so appreciative is because she always includes the links. That's what honest people do. And here's the link to the European point of the, bringing up the question. And then finally, a link to a breakdown of the last point we'll make. And I just really appreciate that she did that so well. Now, here, let's jump into this first. Here is the parliamentary questions, European Parliament. Now, just because somebody asked this question, and is a member of parliament doesn't mean this true. That should be obviously pointed out. It is, and I'll show you why. But just, you know, that's the same thing that people would argue in, you know, partly our Congress, right? Just because a member of Congress says something, obviously we don't, doesn't mean that it's true. Or how about just because a member of the Supreme Court yells something doesn't obviously mean that it's true as they were aggressively wrong on half the things they said. But here's what it says. December 22nd, according to the product information supplied by the European Medicines Agency, Two of the main components of Pfizer's community vaccine are ALC-0315 and ALC-0159. Echelon, the manufacturer of these nanoparticles, specifies that they are, quote, for research only and not for human use. Administering a vaccine, particularly to children, which contains unauthorized excipients is illegal ingredients, dangerous and unethical. I agree with that. Then he goes on to ask, how does the commission justify distributing a product that is harmful to the public and, as such, infringes Article 168.1 of the Treaty of the Functioning of the European Union? Right? So, I mean, I'm not as as versed on these as opposed to, like, the Constitution and things in the United States, but these are important, right? I mean, these are things that literally in their own laws infringe on what they're, what it's, this is every part of COVID-19. There's a thousand different ways these things currently violate their own laws. That's why I keep thinking this feels like an endgame to me, but it's my opinion. How can it explain such a serious oversight, particularly given that the EU founded a European Health Emergency Preparedness and Response Authority in September 2021, and how will it avoid similar occurrences in the future? Number three, what does it intend to do to put an end to the persistent threat that unauthorized vaccine components pose to people in Europe? As far as I can tell, there's been no response to this. Shocking, I know. But here... 
is the point. Now, what I find really interesting, by the way, and you'll see this confirmed in their response, is it appears to me that they changed this to only research. As I, as, as I believe, as I, and I'm 99% sure that this very clearly said right here on the main page for research, uh, not for human use and for research only. And just so it's clear, I'll go there in a second. The Echelon company themselves say that in their response. But I find it interesting that it might have been removed. And how does that even make sense? This is some. This is not like an article. This is scientific public. This is a, you know sales of these nanoparticles. And how can you remove that if it's true, right? But very clearly, right on the page, ALC0159 for research use only, which means it shouldn't go in your body. And we're discussing this right here. You can see it. And by the way, if you wanted to, you can go in here and buy these things for 125 bucks. Seems very strange to me. But, oh, and you can see right here, lipid nanoparticles, right? So that's clear. Here's the other one. Here's the ALC0315. Same thing. Lipid nanoparticles for research use only. Okay, now here's the main point here. And oh, it's actually really interesting to me. When you look at these, see, you, I was reading through this and I was like, okay, this is strange because it says for research use only, but it doesn't say the human part. And I was thinking to myself, that's weird because... I, I know who this is, and I'm, this is part of the group that I was referencing a while back when they stood up and shouted that this was all wrong and that we that were being infringed on as part of the European Union. Nobody cared about that. Members of Parliament, excuse me. But it says for research and not for human use, and it's in quotes. So I'm thinking that's strange that he would quote it if it doesn't actually say that. So I was thinking that's weird to me. Then I said, oh, well, wait a minute. Additional information can be found here. So I thought maybe that's where it says that. So I clicked on it, and here's what it shows you. And this is why I'm pretty I'm certain that they changed the page because you wouldn't have had this part that goes here before if it takes you to an argument that's explaining why. You see what I mean? So they did change the page. That's very strange to me. And you can see right here, it does say not for human use. But here's the point. It, it says, we have recently become aware that our website has been used to falsely call into question the safety of vaccines developed by COVID-19. Isn't this crazy? How in the world did they get, this means somebody has reached out to them and said, you guys need to put something on there because people are trying. Elected members of parliament are pointing out a valid discussion. So quickly go on there and put a statement that says they're wrong. This is crazy time. And I mean, think about this. This is from December 22nd. So in the process of a couple of weeks, they've already jumped in there and altered this. That's crazy to me. But now it says, while these two lipid nanoparticles are being safely used in this injection, they claim which by the way, they say Pfizer, they don't say community, which is interesting. The, maternal, the material that Echelon Biosciences, which we'll look at next, is making and selling is not being used in vaccine production and is only for research use in laboratories. How do you explain that? Right? Echelon Biosciences is making and, and selling, like uh, the material that they're making and selling is being used in that va- is not being used in vaccine production and is only for research use. Okay. Then it says when sold as laboratory products, the manufacturing and testing processes do not need to be as strict as they do when the same product is being used to administer to people. That's actually what it says. So we're more strict on when it's used in a laboratory than when it's being injected in your arm. Just swear to God, that's what it says right there. The, the manufacturing and testing processes do not need to be as strict as they do when the same product's being administered to people. Or maybe I'm reading it backwards. In any case, the point is that they're telling you that they're using these products. 
That is the reason why we state on our website that the material we make is for research use and not for human use. I don't understand the nuance there. It it says it is not a statement that these are unsafe. You're literally pointing to those exact same products. Saying this product is for research use only. Right. But they're saying the material that they're making is not being used for those. I don't understand this point. The manufacturing and testing processes do not need to be as strict as they do when the same product's being administered to people. So that means it should be more strict, if I'm reading that correctly. So why would it be not safe for human use in a lab, but more... I mean, you see what I mean? Like, this bottom line is, guys, this doesn't make sense. We are looking at this in a real... thing. This is the company itself laying shade for a, a clearly something that seems like it doesn't make sense. It's incredible. And then, and then really realized that this wasn't the company that suddenly realized these. we were talking about this AL330. Somebody reached out to them. Now to her next point. So let's realize that at the very least, it says on their website that these specific products are research only, not for human use. Then removed, not for human use, on the page that's supposed to be informing other people, which is crazy to me, on the actual page of the FDA.gov information on this. I always do this to show you the homepage or the, the top page, summary for basis for regulatory action as of 11-8-2021, specifically talking about bio, BioNTech, Pfizer, Comirnaty. It says, Biodistrict, again, don't, don't forget, this is all from her. She's pointing this out right here. Doing a great job. Biodistribution and metabolism of the two novel lipids. These are the two we're discussing, so you can see that. Remember, ALC-1315 and 10159. Biodistribution and metabolism. And it says the study results indicate that following the injection, the RNA encapsulated in the lipid nanoparticles, before I even finish that, remember, they're telling you that it only stays in your arm no matter what, despite how all the data is showing you that unequivocally, that it goes in the first day, it's circulating in your bloodstream. 11 of 13 people they tested had it in their bloodstream within one day. And then you've had plenty more science come out and show you that it's all over your body. And you're in, I mean, specifically the lipid nanoparticles. Remember, we saw that in in your reproductive organs, in your spleen, specifically, your liver, all of it. And they just hide that. That's on their own data, guys. But then here it says, the RNA encapsulated in lipid nanoparticles mainly, mainly localizes to the site of the injection, meaning some of it doesn't. That's right there. And to a lesser extent, distributes to the liver. (laughs) What? I mean, right there in their own documentation, it shows you that it's not what they're saying. And it's even worse than that. But that's a different point. Just recognize how all over the map their lies are in real time looking. The, the people that are yelling that we're lying aren't even looking at the data. Think about how crazy that is. But then her point, approximately 50% of specifically ALC0159, this one right here, specifically this lipid nanoparticle, as you can see, is excreted unchanged in feces. Okay, while metabolism appears to play appears to play a role in the elimination of the 0315. Okay, so what they're literally telling you right there is they don't know. They don't know. Half of it goes away, unchanged, they claim in feces, but apparently your metabolism appears to play a role in getting rid of the other half. Appears to? 
yeah, but let's jam this in kids' arms that are five or six months old because it appears to go away. Cool. That's fantastic. Well, here's the last part. The data demonstrated that community induces a humoral immune response against SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. First of all, realize that that's the main point for why, if we're talking 46 mutation of the spike protein, that this thing has zero effect on what's happening today. Delta before that, it's changed. It has changed within their narrative every mutation. That's why the original shot is not helping you if you took those because you're dealing with something else. On top of that, the peer-reviewed science shows that if you have gotten it before and then you get this, you get sick. It makes it worse. But on top of that, the main point she points to here, the exact immunologic mechanism that confers protection against SARS-CoV-2 is unknown. That's literally what it says. So we're going, oh, it's almost, I mean, you could almost hear that as, well, we just kind of stumbled into this and it looks like it does something. So take it. We don't even know why it works. This thing causes immunological mechanisms in your body, so we don't even know why, but take it, though. I mean, you can read that however you want. It says very clearly the exact mechanism for why it confers protection is unknown. But let's put it in kids' arms, because we're scared. Unbelievable. Finally, as she included in another picture, here's stat news from 2016, discussing the exact discussion we're having. And we've done this before in regard to the lipid, I believe it's even this article, but just the one point that she shared that I want to show. Delivery, actually getting RNA into cells, has long bedeviled the whole field. This is talking about the mRNA platform discussion. On their own, RNA molecules have a hard time reaching their targets. They work better if they're wrapped in a delivery mechanism, such as nanoparticles made of lipids. But those nanoparticles can lead to dangerous side effects, especially if a patient has to take repeated doses over months or years. Oops. Novartis abandoned the related realm of RNA interference over concerns about toxicity, as did Merck, as did Roche. And here we are. I make this point often. Nowhere have I ever seen justified how they got past that problem. Here we are, giving you doses over months. And that's exactly what hurt people before. Now, lastly, just to, you guys can review this in the, in the interest of time. It's a really good long thread about some powerful stuff. But as he points out, Pfizer cannot be fully approved until they fix their manufacturing problems. Now, we've discussed this in the past. There's multiple ingredients that they said needed to be fleshed out, even though they were giving it to people, which is why it was emergency, even by the definition, as opposed to approved, because that by definition was why they didn't know for sure it was completely safe. They just argued, well, we're still fleshing this stuff out, but we we think it's more, it, it, the benefits outweigh the risks. Therefore, we can meet what we claim is emergency authorization. And in the meantime, we're going to continue the study on for two years, and we're going to continue finding out whether these products are safe. That's all in their documentation. All you got was the mindless followers on Twitter that were following the media arguing that that wasn't true as we yelled about the science and the data. And they said, we weren't trusting the science. How stupid is that? And here we are again, where they're still not, they haven't reached this yet. That's the point he's making. All the links are here for you to research. They, they, they're two months on going on three months late right now. Same point, by the way, in regard to the emergency authorization we're going to finish with next. How much longer can the emergency use authorization be extended for a product that doesn't meet fundamental criteria? And I meant the emergency authorization in general, not just around the injection, but it's saying, They need to do the right thing, withdraw the emergency authorization. They won't do that. But to his thread, 
specifically point 19. So Pfizer has only met one of the five specific obligations. That's true. They were due for July, 2021 regarding the manufacturing process for its product. You realize that we're now that we're stepping into the next part of this, the Omicron variant, the universal variant or new things and combining variants and new shots. And I'm almost willing to bet that they're going to skip past rationalizing the Pfizer community manipulation the approval they claim they're, they're just going to jump into something new and say, none of this means anything anymore. We're on to something new. Focus on the next part. And we won't even have to come back to this because we're, we're who cares about that shot? We're on something new now, right? I, that's where I feel this is going, but they have not met their obligations. They're already past the time lame limit and nobody cares because nobody cares about any of this stuff. Therefore, it cannot be fully approved until these obligations are met. Also to RFK's point, they desperately need to get it approved for children so they can get indemnity for everything they're doing. I must tell you, this is not for lack of trying. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Look, this is this is a long thread. Please go through this. Where he, there's a lot of good information. The point is, as always, I'm showing it to you because he includes the actual links for you to you can verify this for yourself. Very clear. Ask yourself if that's true, and they haven't met their obligations, and it's now lapsed, and the time has passed. Why aren't the regulatory agencies saying anything? Why isn't the media covering that? Why aren't they putting a halt to these injections? Because they don't care. They know that's happening. They don't care. Now, to end on the emergency authorization in general, it's the same point, guys. A really great article that somebody sent us that my assistant threw threw out today that I'm glad we got included. Please share this website with everyone, they say, and the covidemergency.com. And what it says, did you know? Both houses of Congress have failed to perform their legal obligation to meet in order to, to debate the end of the national emergency every six months since March 1st. This is a point that I missed. This is an excellent point because we weren't focusing on what the, the ins and outs of what the, you know, the, the, the procedural norms for how they go about the emergency authorization and the extension, the extension, that's what I was looking for earlier, and the, and the ending of it. I was simply going into the fact that they continued to fault on that and miss the deadline. But here's the website. You can look at this for yourself. Thank you for shouting us, including the links, which is why I included them. Here's the main link to the page for specifically national emergencies, US code 1622. But this is the link that they were showing. It's much easier to digest. Specifically national emergencies. Here's what it says. Any national emergency declared by the president in accordance with this subchapter shall terminate if there is enacted into law a joint resolution terminating the emergency or the president issues a proclamation terminating the emergency. Don't you love how that's it? (laughs) Basically, it's forever emergency until they get together with two parties that never agree with each other or the president just says no longer. Basically, it goes on forever until they decide. So it has nothing to do with whether it's an emergency. It has to do with politics as always. But just so that's clear, first of all, then it says in regard to that termination process, which would be the joint resolution going forward, It says, termination review of national emergencies by Congress, not later than six months after a national emergency is declared, and not later than the end of each six-month period thereafter that such emergency continues, each House of Congress shall meet to consider a vote on a joint resolution to determine whether that emergency shall be terminated. That's not happening. I, I, I mean, unless I missed it and you want to correct me, I looked everywhere today in congressional documentation, everything. I don't see anybody meeting out of one time before in regard to the emergency and other, other how it expanded in regard to how they were meeting to vote whether or not to terminate the ongoing emergency. I haven't seen it happen. 
As, and let's, let's be clear, that's very clearly what it says. That's, that's not should, can, maybe, they need to. Not later than six months. They need to meet to vote. It's not happening. Now, bringing to the main page about the public emergencies, which I've talked about a lot, this is every 90 days, which is interesting, right? So we have a three-month period where they're supposed to renew the emergency and a six-month period where they're supposed to vote on whether it should be terminated. None of this seems to be happening in a real solid way. They are renewing this, but to the point, well, first of all, make sure you notice the last one they renewed was continuing the opioid crisis. How is that even inc- How is that even remotely an emergency right now with what they're, I mean, they barely even talk about that, but let's sure as hell continue the emergency so we can give ourselves other emergency powers that we don't talk about because that's what that means. They've also initiated two different states of emergency for hurricanes, December, September 3rd, August 30th, one in um, Louisiana and Mississippi and the other in New York and New Jersey. Now ask yourself, are those emergencies? Yeah, sure, it's, it's weather, and sure, it's dangerous, and people probably got killed, and bad things happen, but is it, is, is it an emergency? Do you need to literally create emergency powers to deal? No, there's already institutions in, in place who are lit, or their entire jobs are about dealing with natural, FEMA, whatever else. The point is they, they are using this to justify a constant state of emergency. It's always there. Winter storm down here on February 17th. It's a storm, guys, but it's always used. But here's the main point, and this is the last one that I can see. April 15th, by the way, the, the last renewal was October 15th for COVID-19, which, uh, not that I can't just count it in my head, but it's just easier for you guys to see if I do it this way too. Do this one, what, what it was again? October 15th. So 90 days from October 15th. So it shows you right there, January 13th. Now, that's how this is supposed to go. Uh, somebody tried to make an argument about, oh, well, there's weekends and different days for month. That's not what it's saying, guys. Make sure we're clear on that. This is supposed to be done every 90 days. It's not every nine, every so many weeks. It's literally every 90 days. So after 90 days, whatever that is, it's supposed to be renewed. Okay. So first of all, make sure we know that on January 13th, in three days, they're legally obligated to have already initiated the next part. And, and, at some point over six months, we're supposed to vote about this over and over, haven't done that either. So if and when they go past January 13th, we need to realize that the entire emergency is illegitimate, that the injections being given under that emergency authorization are also illegitimate. The lockdowns being justified under that emer- are also illegitimate. Everything becomes illegitimate in the, in the period of time where they didn't renew it, which the last time they did that, was my, as my point, was before July 19th. April 15th, was one of the times they renewed the 90-day emergency, okay? July 14th was supposed to be 90 days from April 15th. So they missed the mark by days. Now, that's probably because they were on their weekend, were on a shutdown, you know, whatever. They're all doing their thing, and it's two cares, right? Because we'll come, we'll do it and get back. Nope, that's not how that works. There were, there was, did I say 15th? 14th. So we're talking not, uh, five days. Five days in July where everything was illegal. The emergency was illegal. The forced injections were illegal. The lockdowns were illegal. The mass men, all of it. Because it's all revolving around the illusion of the emergency that they did not renew until three, until five days after it was supposed to be done. Look at that. If you don't think this is illegal and off the rails, then you're not paying attention. Because that's crazy. But it's going to keep going. And it's happened more than once throughout this process. 
And then, going back to her point, they're not voting on whether it should be ended. Why? Because nobody wants that to even be a topic. They don't even want you to know that they could and should be voting to whether it should end because they this, going forward, gives these people unparalleled power, every one of them. And they're drunk on that power. Now, finally, as they're continuing to irrationalize the emergencies and vote on the emergencies, and so Congress is refusing to get together to vote on these things. Right? It hasn't happened at the very least. But guess what they did get together to do? To vote whether or not they should emergency authorize testing and vaccination. Right. So note that they're clearly getting together to vote on emergency subjects while pretending they either forgot or don't care about voting on the most important one, whether or not it's even still happening. Isn't that perfect? They know what they're doing. They know you know. They just don't care. And here's the most recent example. Virginia governor declares 30-day state of emergency. Why? Because Omicron. Not a joke. Or let's be specific. Because of the hospitalization increase in during Omicron. But we know what that's from, don't we? Just like we know, like we were seeing in Ontario, Scotland, the UK, all of them showing you a dramatic increase in hospitalization, specifically in, in, the, in, in Scotland, where it's showing you that the majority is in the hospitalizations are on the unvaccinated or on the fully vaccinated, and the per 100,000 is basically the same, if not way higher on deaths. Make sure we don't forget that. But here he is going 30 days of emergency, right? What are you in an emergency for? Can't you just take actions to increase the hospital, right? They pretend like they need unfettered power to do what? To increase hospital capacity, support healthcare workers, to respond to COVID-19 hospitalizations. You're already doing all of that. You want power under a guise of something that's not actually happening except through the injections. Governor Northam took steps to increase the hospital capacity, which didn't need an emergency to do that. Support healthcare workers responding to COVID-19 didn't need an emergency to do that. After a record number of hospitalizations were posted on February last week. And that is because of the injected. And it's aggressively happening that way. And they don't even argue how and why and who. They just continue to blame the unvaccinated with no evidence. During a time when Omicron is everywhere being discussed as less dangerous, but weirdly, we have a spike in hospitalizations and that doesn't make sense unless you consider the injection. This is the endless endless cycle, guys. Endless cycle. Oh, and don't forget that almost 70% of the population in Virginia is fully injected. Fully. That means two or three. And yet, oh, it's over, it's out of control, 30-day emergency, right? Well, interestingly enough, COVID-19 attack rates by vaccination status and age in Virginia. Well, let's take a look, right? Oh, but wait a minute. Last time it was updated was August 23rd. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why. Why why would you just let that lag? Some of those are from November, right? Look, I mean, look, this is November. This is, this is... This is January 2022, right? I mean, let's not, let's not miss the fact that they're updating this and weirdly missing the one that's about vaccination status. Of course, you can go back and look at it and look at how, oh my gosh, look, it's all in the unvaccinated back when it was August 15, 2021, which by the way, even then, there's plenty of things that we could add to that conversation. Simple point is, guys, that we are seeing this breakdown in front of us and all they can do is hide it from you delete information, give you wrong data from different dates and say, oops, we didn't mean to do that, right? And revise it later. You know, this is a manipulation in real time. And I think we all see that. 
Now to finish, two interesting points I wanted to leave you with. One, something just to leave you to leave you thinking. Now I've made this point many times, and I love to see Celestial Celest, Celest, Celestine B. I thought it was Celestial. Kind of throwing this together, just in a just discussion point. I'm not saying this is provable, whatever. Just an idea. Ask yourself this. What she says is, I really don't understand what's wrong with people. COVID, in her opinion, and I agree, this is likely in many, if not entirely, to some degree, is COVID is every respiratory infection being lumped together and rebranded. You can develop respiratory infections over and over again throughout your life. Many do so annually. You can't be immune to the flu or a cold or bronchitis. Bronchitis, But, you know, and oh, she goes on to say, I didn't see that. What causes these infections can be up for debate. A virus pathogen which mutates continually or toxicity due to what goes on in our bodies, our environment. I personally believe the latter. But either way, you can't be immune to ever getting the symptoms of respiratory disorder. I mean, that's a very valid thing to think about. But what we're talking about here is getting it over and over throughout your life, right? So we're talking, I mean, you know, it's, like a, it's like a cold and so on. So people are getting sick with these things that whether even the cold is, is a coronavirus, right? So you could very, this, this very clearly leans into what Danny Rancourt's discussing, which is the complete illusion here that this didn't even really happen, which is something we really should consider. On that note, by the way, Danny Rancourt is going to be interviewing somebody for TLAV coming up soon. I don't want to go say it just in case it falls through, but we were already in talks and setting up a date. It's going to be really exciting because he's this Danny Rancourt is knocking it out of the park. He's incredibly intelligent and very objective. Now, we, he and I don't even agree on, agree on everything, and that should show you something. It's not really just about me jamming in my opinion, but it's about getting us an educated stance to continue to debate these things and discuss them. But you can develop respiratory infections over and over. So is it not possible that we're seeing respiratory infections lumped together, rebranded? Or even if you think COVID's happening, that it couldn't be that the flu and cold and everything else is being lumped in there too. We know that happened. So what this needs to show you at the very least is this is not what we were told it was. Period. With the hospitalization lie, with the PCR false positive, with every other part of this that's very clearly crumbling in front of you, it is not. And then just their own data. You're at less risk than the flu. Almost everybody. How are we pretending this is even still what they say it was before or even now? I believe this. I believe they're lying to you like this. It's just time for us to stand up and put our foot down. Now, finally, to give you a nice point, kind of funny to finish off on. I just thought this was hilarious. I just love his little face too. Like, hmm, I'm really considering this. You know, it's really interesting. (laughs) For the podcast, it's a picture of CNN. And the headline reads, is the media out of touch with the country about COVID? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Now, really what I think they're even trying to argue there, because I'm not even going to care to listen to this garbage, even though I, I, I not, not to suggest that I don't listen to mainstream media to get the points and make sure I have the full picture of what they're trying to argue. But I really think they're trying to argue that are they out of touch with what we misunderstand about what's going on? Still arguing that they have what's they know what's happening, but they're just out of touch with how we perceive it. And that was a failure on their part for not informing us correctly. Like that's where that's going. But good God, are they out of touch with literally everybody in this country in the world? Yes, they have no idea from their ivory towers what's actually happening. They know what they're told to think they're supposed to say. That's how sad this is. All of them, Fox News, CNN, everyone. And they're all just trying to scream a narrative at you from one side or the other. It's time to recognize you are the person you should be trusting. So thank you for tuning in today and continuing to do so. 
questioning the narrative, thinking for yourself, asking those questions, because guys, it's never been more obvious. It's never been more obvious that you were correct in being objective and questioning the narrative from day one. Doesn't mean we're always right about everything, because a lot of this stuff is theorizing. And I've theorized a lot of things that didn't pan out exactly, but I've also theorized a lot of things that panned out exactly like I thought they would, or claimed things that turned out exactly like I said, because I was looking at the peer-reviewed science before they claimed it was there, and on and on and on. The point is, it's up to you to come to your own conclusions. So help me reach just one more person today. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men bound to care. Blinded by the promises Knowingly sold despair So leave your herd of sheep And follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends The world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game are you ready for, are you ready for, are you ready for revolution, revolution? The revolution's now happening all around you if you cannot see pull aside the curtain and see the war machine it's time for you to rise up rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man as it's become destructive to its own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Revolution The revolution's now It's happening all around you If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine Time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man, as it's become destructive to its own ends. The world that you knew has changed around you, it's all become a money game. 
all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for the revolution? The revolution. Revolutions now. It's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man. They become destructive to their own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are they ready for? Are they ready for? 